And welcome to Into the Aether Ultra Deluxe. It's an ultra low-key <laughs> video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Unfortunately, because we've been really busy recently, yeah. we're, we're doing the Undertale bonus. We just launched this new Patreon thing. Uh, we're playing Delta Rune also because we're thinking about maybe doing like a Delta Rune bonus, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And a lot of streams, a lot of videos, uh, a lot of stuff happening in the background. We only have one game this week, yeah. which is, I think, a first for us outside of like the a game bonus. is yeah outside yeah, of right. like the game is so good that this is the only thing like like a Sekiro episode, for example. When sure. that came out, it was like, obviously, the only thing we're going to talk about is Sekiro. So apologies in advance, because last week's episode was pretty light as well. This week, at least the game is fun and interesting, and I feel like we'll have a lot to talk about. Uh, totally. And, and, and the game is the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, as you might have able to tell from the intro and it you have not played the stanley parable right i have not not yet at this least. is so your game and i'm really <laughs> i'm look like every once in a while i feel like the show is just like us pitching each other on games but I, I feel like specifically with your love of undertale and like undertale being you know just kind of like floating around at the moment for us i feel like these two pair really well together yeah so if you've never played the stanley parable i'm gonna try my best to not spoil it and i i I want that to be clear i'm gonna try my best to not spoil what stanley parable is or really what ultra deluxe is i'm gonna try my best it's gonna be difficult but the way the stanley parable works uh it's a game that came out in 2013 on pc and i think mac as well it's by a team called crows 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 and essentially uh centers around this guy named stanley who sits in his office he's number 427 in his office uh, and he just has this like computer terminal where uh, like a line of text will show up that's like, please press this button in exactly 14 seconds. Please press this button in exactly, you know, 45 seconds, et cetera, et cetera. And he just sits there and he does that all day. If you've seen Severance on Apple TV Plus, it's like very much like Severance energy. But again, this was 2013. So that's kind of the vibe. And then he starts hearing this like extremely, extremely British narrator in his head. <laughs> who starts like telling him to do things it'll be like mm. all of stanley's co-workers were gone where could they be and he like leaves his office and then now you're controlling stanley and you leave his office and there's nobody there there's all these numbers all these cubicles all these office rooms and like meeting rooms and stuff and there's nobody there and you can go around and you can like click on stuff but there's really nothing that happens there's like there's like no sign of them and as you're looking around and clicking on stuff the narrator will be like stanley clicked on every single thing in the office and it didn't progress <laughs> the story at all he needed to go to the meeting room so then you continue to make your way through this office until you get to and this is kind of the big conceit and this is like kind of as much as i want to really really talk about you get to these two big doors there's like this one area where he's like stanley took the door on the left towards the meeting room and you can go in the left or Obviously, you could also go through the door on the right, which is not the way to the meeting room. And he'll say something like, Stanley took the door on the right, knowing full well that this was not the way to the meeting room. Maybe he (laughs) wanted to stop by the employee lounge first because the employee lounge is beautiful. So you make your way to the employee lounge. He's like, wow, this is a great room. Stanley fell in love with the room, or at least as much as somebody can fall in love with a room. And then you can hang out there as long as you want. The longer you hang out, the more the narrator talks. The whole conceit behind this game is that it has really accounted for literally everything that you could possibly do. They present you with choices over and over and over again. And you're consistently rewarded for like breaking that 
you're consistently rewarded mm. for like trying new things, seeing what you can do. So like as you're walking through the hallways, for example, the doors will close behind you. But like what if you like jumped into a door and then out of it, you know, so like as the animation for it closing, you kind of like snuck your way out and now you're locked in between two. Like, what does that do? Uh, what happens if you take the door on the right, but then decide halfway through that you want to see if you can make your way back to the meeting room and go to the door on the left? There's things there. There's like, OK, what if you try and do that, but then you change your mind again halfway through doing that? And then there's a, a path that you can take there. There's just like huge kind of web, this like tree of options, uh, like a choose your own adventure where all of them end with various endings that are like. You know, anywhere between like banal to like completely off the wall to like, like shuttling you into completely different video game experiences, like the bounds of this game are are kind of impossible to perceive as you're playing. I, I think one of the more interesting things about it is like I played a lot of it when it first came out. I really liked the Stanley Parable. I thought it was a yeah. great game. I really liked it a lot. This release, the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, is a port to consoles and also just kind of like an engine shift. Like they used to be in the Source engine. I think it was a mod of Half-Life 2, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and they've now moved, I think, over to Unity. So they rebuilt the whole game from the ground up, ported it to modern consoles. And as they have said in a lot of the marketing, they've added, quote unquote, new content. And I kind of don't want to say too much about what the new content is outside of when you start the game, it asks you if you've ever played it before. Like, did you play the Stanley Parable at any point? between 2013 and now, and if you hit yes, you'll get to the new content faster. If not, and I've done this both ways now, so I know how long it takes, you have to see like six or seven of the endings of the original game before, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this and I won't say what's through it, but as you're making your way through the game, there's just a door that says new content on it that you can open <laughs> up and then walk through, and then the narrator is like so stoked that there's more stuff that he can say. It's really, really good. That's a great, I, I just love that feature of like, for specifically like a re-release or a deluxe version of a game to be like do you just want to see what the new stuff is like i kind of wish persona 5 royal had that option yeah it's like as much as i loved revisiting it like you know it, it was a big ass to be like play the same game again right. play the first 90 hours. hours of this yeah. yeah and then you can see the following 25 that we've added right yeah. and also you can fuck up so bad that you miss it <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, not only am I not given the option, it's hidden. Yes. <laughs> it's infuriating. This is a much better way of doing it. The thing, yeah. about, the thing about Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe is that it does, at a certain point, at the beginning, it asks you to just play the game again, right? So, like, you're, you're starting the game, and there is no new content for a while. You'll, like, have to find a couple of the endings. And because I had, like, played the original and knew some of the, like, weirder ones, I was able to just kind of deviate off course and do some of the, like, really outlandish ones first, which was, like, a really fun, weird experience. Uh, before going into the new stuff but what i will say is that the new stuff is it's unbelievable i mean it's like way more than i could have possibly asked for i think i I think it's brilliant what i think is really interesting about the new stuff is that it seems very interested uh without spoiling what it actually is it seems very interested in the time between the original game and now it seems interested in interrogating some of its endings and some of the like jokes that it had that might have been mean-spirited at the time and you know since then the creators have been like man this was not this does not hold up yeah it seems very interested in what people thought about this game um and its legacy and how people feel about it uh now and like why would you even revisit it why would you port it to modern consoles etc etc all that stuff is very cool uh after the stanley parable came out one of the key creators, Davey Reedon, made a game called The Beginner's Guide, which is a very similar kind of thing where like the yeah. Stanley Parable was a really huge deal when it came out. I feel like if you are an indie game developer or just like 
an artist, like a solo artist at all, having a success like that, as we talk about a lot in our Undertale bonus with Toby Fox, like having a success like that is hugely terrifying at times because yeah. like, what do you do next? How do you follow that up? What, what comes after that? And the beginner's guide is very much interested in asking that question is like, how do you how do you get over that like mental hurdle of I had a hit and now I have to have another one or else I don't have a job anymore? Um, or like, what if people hate me if I put out a thing that's, you know, disappointing, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like the Stanley Parable is um, or the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe is almost continuing what the beginner's guide was asking more than it's continuing what the Stanley Parable was asking, which, interesting. I, think, which I think is an interesting choice. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciate, though, about the Stanley Parable, if you've never played it, I highly recommend going to check it out. Like maybe even stop listening to this episode and go play it and like see a couple of the endings. So, you know, what we're talking about here. But I, I feel like one of the big tentpole things about it is like, OK, cool. So it's interrogating or at least it's it's presenting players with this idea that, you know, choices matter. Maybe they don't, et cetera, et cetera. All these things we take for granted in video games, like what do they really amount to? There's one ending, for example, where you can continue making these choices, but the whole time the narrator is like, uh, do all these choices even matter if the the creator of this game has programmed all of the endings? Like, are you really making choices then or are you still just like going down a pre-programmed route? I, I feel like the thing about it is like against a game like I, I, I hate to say too much for fear of spoiling these things, but like Bioshock or Spec Ops The Line or Hotline Miami which are also about interrogating kind of the norms of video games, those games don't present you a choice. They just kind of subvert that as a way of saying, like, isn't it cool that we're subverting this? You know, like, yeah, like right. the, the fact that they've that they were subversive at all is kind of all it is. There's really there's really no commentary beyond that. What I think is interesting about the Stanley Parable, they present you with a lot of these choices but it all serves this larger thematic arc of what the game is trying to be about. I mean, it's obviously very like anti-capitalist, like anti-work. There's like that layer of it, right? Because this idea of like a guy just sitting in a cubicle pressing buttons over and over again, like objectively sucks. And they make this office look as shitty and boring as possible <laughs> to kind of compensate for that. But alongside that, there's this idea that as you continue to make all these choices, the choices kind of don't amount to anything if they're all pre-programmed. And, and it kind of asks this larger question about like the significance of your own role in your own life and how much time you want to spend doing things that you don't like doing versus how often do you want to like rest control for yourself out of the, the forces that bind you in some way, shape or form, whatever they may be, and like create a, a kind of utopic vision of your own self. I, I feel like that attached to the idea of subverting the idea of player agency is really interesting. You're, you're, you're funneling a philosophy through just kind of like a breaking of a norm in a video game. And I think that's really beautiful. That's one of the reasons I really like the Stanley Parable. I don't I don't think you really need to like know a lot about video. I mean, you need to know how to like walk around in a video game space and like press a button when it asks you to. You know, you have to like use the two sticks or if you're playing it on the computer, WASD and the mouse uh, and click on stuff. But outside of that, I, th I think th I think the message is is pretty evident the more you play. So. On that note, I don't know if what they're trying to go for in the text is as strong as this like core conceit of what the original yeah, was. That makes sense. Because I think I think the danger of a sequel, if you want to consider this a sequel of some kind, kind of atypically, I think that um, there's the phrase like a sequel can, can go bigger or deeper. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds like this is just like going somewhere else, you know, where it's like it's actually not even as connected to the original work. Or maybe it's like more of a lateral connection than yeah. like a further exploration of an idea. Yeah. Without getting too deep, especially considering I can't give too many specifics. Um, there is a version of 
the ultra deluxe content that does serve the larger theme of the first one if mm. i have a completely different reading of the theme than what it was actually supposed to be because if the yeah. original theme was supposed to be like existential dread and nihilism then that is very much what the ultra deluxe content is serving me at the moment because it's a lot of asking questions about like why would we even come back and add new stuff to this why are we bringing this 2013 game back into the public eye etc cetera, etc cetera. It, it, it kind of asking these questions about like you know why continue to make art why why exist at all in a lot of cases why make any choices which the first game definitely asks a lot of those questions and my reading of it i think was a little bit more optimistic <laughs> maybe yeah. a little more saccharine than that especially considering like some of the endings are really fucking dark and they ask you to do some things that i don't think really hold up very well in 2022 if i'm being totally honest there is like an existential dread reading of the Stanley parable. This idea that like nothing you do matters. You're just, you know, a human being on a rock floating through space, like oh, the classic, like kind of um, like high school Tumblr version of, of existentialism. <laughs> and oh, my band name. Yeah. We're pretty good. <laughs> so if, if that is actually the intended goal of the Stanley parable, then ultra deluxe really does serve that. And, and it's definitely going deeper and not, and not, down its own path but also that's kind of what you want from the stanley parable because the whole sure. the whole thing is that it's i haven't even really mentioned this but like it's a comedy <laughs> it's like supposed to be funny <laughs> there's a there are a lot of endings that are extremely funny but uh yeah i don't know stanley parable ultra deluxe is a hard thing to recommend if you haven't played it before because generally speaking it's hard to talk about but if any of that sounds interesting to you i mean if you just even play a lot of video games and you're interested in just like this kind of tentpole subversive entry in the genre. Um, definitely check it out. I, I, I think it's I think it's interesting and, and, and worth experiencing, um, even if you've never played it before. But uh, if you have played it before, definitely pick up Ultra Deluxe because um, it's it's very good. It's very good. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating to look at the range of years for video games, like early yeah. 2010s to mid 2010s. And like, there there were a lot of games that were sort of trying to question what a game is and, and like why and everything. Right. And like some landed way better than others. Like you said, some are just like, ooh, a twist. And some are right. like, we've broken conventions to like release new ideas out. You know, right. it's like, because yeah. I think, you know, the in the grand scheme of things, video games are still a very new medium. So I think that like, it was almost like the midlife crisis of video games being like, wait a minute, why do we do the things we do? Mm -hmm. Why are these the norms? Is there a way to tell a story in a more meaningful way? Um, is there a way to take these norms and kind of twist them in a way that's interesting and not just like for the sake of it? I think whenever you learn any kind of medium, whether it's like visual art or, or music or whatever, a classic way to, to learn the rules is like you learn the rules to eventually break them to kind of navigate around them. Yeah. Um, and it feels like the games that succeed at sort of breaking the fourth wall or breaking conventions are the ones that like have a plan backing that decision up mm -hmm. and aren't just destroying it for the sake of it. Cause then what you're left with is nihilism, which is like only so interesting. It's a pretty, it's a pretty flat concept, right? Yeah, Where it's yeah, like, I agree. Nothing matters. Okay, well, why am I engaging with this art then? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Percy, uh, uh, my partner, sat down and played Stanley Parable from the top, having never played it before yesterday. And that was her big takeaway, was this kind of like nihilistic, like, okay, the narrator keeps telling me that none of my choices matter, so why would I continue playing? And there was an ending that was even like, the only way to win this game is to turn your Xbox off. And she was like, okay, let's stop playing then. 
you know, yeah. like she, like if you, t- if you take a lot of what the narration says at face value, that is very much like a, a, a normal read to have of this game is like, it doesn't want you to play it at a certain point. The best thing for Stanley is for you to not play the video game, you know, which then gets into again, why would you add new content to this? If that's kind of what the core message of the first game is. And I think by seeing more of it, you, you start to, you start to understand a little bit more of maybe what it's trying to say. But I think you're right that this was kind of like, there was a time and place for this kind of game. Like this very yeah. much was an era, right? Like all those games I just mentioned, uh, maybe Bioshock being the exception, but like Spec Ops The Line, Hotline Miami, uh, this and Undertale, that's like what a five or six year period of time that all those games came out. Yeah. All kind of asking very similar questions to varying degrees of success, right? Like I, I think Undertale is the closest analog, weirdly, to the Stanley Parable. And and it's been very interesting playing both side by side in this case, just because I feel like that's another game that really does take this idea of breaking conventions of RPGs and uses it to say something greater about like people. Yeah, like it's it's core message is about like what it means to be a good person more so than it is like just saying, why do we always fight things in video games? Like that's not right. the only thing Undertale is trying to do by allowing you to act and talk to creatures. Yeah, I mean, not to say too much because we get into that in the bonus, but like, I I think one thing worth repeating about that idea is like, it could have been so trite. That's what I keep thinking about. And that's, again, going back to these games that, and not to like debase them entirely, because I think like they had a a place and a a thing to say at the time they came out. But like, games that, that are solely reliant on the twist tend to not sort of have the same shelf life that a game like Undertale has, where like there's a clear message. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to play it. I think also I'm always fascinated with the role of a narrator in a video game. I think that's Mm. also something that like could either make or break the experience. Um, I think Bastion is like the gold standard of a narrator. Yeah. Where like that and and the the role the narrator has in Bastion is largely like the storyteller. Like you're getting the narrative from the narrator. But there's also a little bit of that like um, molding what the narrator is saying to what the player is doing. I think the the moment that's kind of revealed is when you first get the hammer and like you could just keep going down the path of progression, but like there's a bunch of boxes near you. So, so of like course you're gonna smash yeah, them up. Yeah. And then the narrator goes, kid just rages for a while. And yeah. like that that's like that's that's the moment I fell in love with Bastion. And I think about that a lot in terms of like the role of a narrator and how it can either accentuate the experience or um I think in in all media, when a narrator is there to add another layer to things or to be the driving force, it can be very powerful. But if they're simply repeating something we already see on screen, that's where it can be draining. Yeah, I mean, right. there's multiple approaches, obviously, but I think that like usually when you trust the player, it will pay off. Um, yeah, I think I think audiences are more receptive to subtle storytelling than a lot of people think, or like. I think it just speaks to a lack of confidence when you have to have too many things like pointing you like this is important, you know, yeah. in, a, in an obvious way. Totally. And I, I, I feel like the Stanley Parable is very good at this. It's very good at yeah. this exact thing. I definitely want to check it out. I think maybe we'll talk about it more one day, maybe do like a spoiler episode or something. Yeah, um, I'll be interested we'll see. to see uh, if this comes up in Godi and how much that really counts uh, specifically. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. But it's available on a lot of things. It's available on Xbox, PlayStation, uh, PC, Mac, and also Switch, which I didn't realize it was out on Switch. I've heard that um, some of the textures aren't as stellar on Switch if you're playing on docked mode, like when it has to blow it up pretty big some of the textures get a little muddy and there's a lot of like 
writing on walls and documents on people's desks and stuff and like coffee mugs with like stupid phrases that are all kind of like fun visual gags that I think you might miss if you're playing it on Switch. I have heard that it's a lot better in handheld mode, but again, that makes things even smaller. So who knows? Yeah, it's interesting how often like with ports or with games that maybe are underperforming handheld is better. I mean, I guess it's a lower resolution, so it makes sense. But I also weird follow up to last week with Rune Factory 5. I have noticed that that game plays significantly better in handheld. Absolutely. Yeah, it really does. Like it still has noticeable issues. Like it doesn't go away, but like it feels and looks better to play, especially when you're running around town and it's not like, kill me! You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, just a heads up with that. Yeah. Cool. cool. Uh, Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. It's out now. You can go play it. I would recommend it. I'm playing it on my Xbox Series S. And it's very good. This is kind of bittersweet because I think on one hand, it might be a good sign that we have more brevity within us than we thought and we've released <laughs> a half-hour episode to our beloved yeah. audience. At the same time, you know, I think like we like to promise, you know, I think we usually gravitate towards like a three section episode. So mm-hmm. I, I hope I hope we didn't let anyone down. But I, I think that I enjoyed this conversation for one. Yeah. I love making the show. Uh, I guess we'll do a short to cap it off. because I think we always end up wrapping up for a half hour. So to stay true to the vision of this episode, I think signing off in a quick, easy way would be on par with the rest of this. So into the cast that online is our hub for everything. Um, thank you so much to our very generous patrons who back the show. Uh, more content on the horizon. We love you. This has been our biggest month yet. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for support. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hello and welcome to Into the Aether Ultra Deluxe. It's an ultra low-key video game podcast. And my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You say hello and I say goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Hello, my name is Christopher Plant. And I am so excited to be doing, finally, after all these years, people have been asking for it, our bonus about the entirety of the Gex franchise. Yeah, I think this kind of started as a bit, but I think when the three of us revisited the trilogy, we just kind of realized how much gold there was here it's actually pretty easy to go back to honestly thinking back to when this came out and how like austin powers is also at the peak of popularity in retrospect i feel like austin really ripped off gex here i feel like gex is owed more comedic authority than we gave him have i ever told you guys on the podcast the story of when i was on vacation in florida and i was only allowed to play gex you haven't i mean chris correct me if i'm wrong but i don't Hmm. think you have so honestly i'm all ears it's tail time One for me and one for me. Hello and welcome to Into the Aether Ultra Deluxe. It's an ultra low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. Ultra hello. My name is uh, Stephen Ultra Hilger. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Uh, This will be... A paradoxically short one this week. We only have two <laughs> games for this episode, uh, but I think it will be fun. I think it's nice to explore brevity for once. <laughs> yeah, I feel. Yeah, last last week's episode was what like an hour ish. So yeah. ho- hopefully we'll keep this one short as well, uh, especially because we have like an Undertale bonus coming, which should be exciting. Um, and and you and I have some other stuff that we're cooking, <gasps> cooking in the cooker. What's the cooker to you when I say cooker? What what what's the appliance that comes to mind? That's a great question. 
Thanks. I was thinking a part of my body, which means I was wildly off base. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right in the cooker. Ouch. <laughs> Fuck. What game are we talking about, huh? <laughs> we are talking about a new game called Not Words. Yeah. Um, which you have been streaming and sharing and I picked up a couple days ago, have been really enjoying and I think is continuing uh this trend of like really uh really clever word games kind of exploding and yeah. also the creator Zach Gage's library of games that always sort of like from what i know kind of take a analytical look on very established game formats and sort of like look at them from like an inside out point of view almost yeah yeah i i, I think it's worth giving a little bit of history into Zach Gage's yeah. whole deal but um he's been developing games for a long time uh and and generally speaking as far as I know, and I, I have to imagine this has changed by now, one of his bigger hits pretty early on was this game called Spell Tower, uh, which he said was essentially a word game he built because he didn't like word games. Like he wasn't a huge fan of word games or word searches and things like that, but was like, I'm going to make I'm going to make one that I think is good that I like and made Spell Tower, which was an immediate hit. It's an incredible game. If you haven't played it, highly recommended. If you have Apple Arcade, I think there's like a Spell Tower Plus that's available for Apple Arcade as well, uh, which is pretty cool that adds some stuff but has released a bunch of just absolutely incredible games um just taking these ideas of games that you think you know a lot about and kind of doing like a fun twist on them i think like one of the easiest ones to recommend is really bad chess which is a game of chess where it is randomly generated every time what pieces you have on the board and what pieces your opponent has on the board um and you can kind of like slide back and forth between how difficult it's going to be so like maybe you'll have more queens or something on your team if you want an easier game things like that it's very cool it's a really cool game but he's he's been in the in the indie dev scene for a really long time making really cool stuff usually for mobile usually focused on mobile in the process of making spell tower plus uh linked up with another developer by the name of jack schleisinger who uh, then helped the two of them kind of teamed up to make good Sudoku, which was one of my favorite games of last year. And and I, I think it's probably still to this day, like the best Sudoku app. Like if you have not played Sudoku before, you should get good Sudoku because the, the conceit of that thing to me is that you download it and not only will it teach you how to play Sudoku, but it will also make you appreciate it, which is an even harder thing to do. But on top of that, it will it will teach you in a way that will actually make you better at it. Like you, you will actually over the course of playing good Sudoku for longer periods of time. Like if you, you know, check in every day and continue playing it, it will walk you through all of the different strategies that you would need to employ to get better at the game. Um, and over the course of doing so, you, you will be better at Sudoku. So then you could eventually, if you wanted to like not use that app anymore and move on to like books or something, and you will be well equipped to be very good at Sudoku. Hence the name. Um, so that was kind of a big, that was kind of a big one. I think, uh, that good Sudoku kind of broke out, I think in a way that I wasn't personally expecting, like I didn't expect that many people to be that into good Sudoku and they very much were. And I'm really glad for that because I, I feel like the more eyes on, on Zach and Jack's work, the better. Yeah. And last week, I want to say like early last week, um, they sent out a tweet that was like, Hey, we made a new game. We've been working on it for a very long time. It's called not words. We're going to be doing a stream where we're showing off like what this is and why it is. And then it's going to come out two days afterwards. And that was all they really said about it, which is like, hey, we made a new game and it's called Not Words. 
and I was like, I'm on board. I will drop everything to play that. I will drop everything to watch that stream. I'm very excited about it. So I did. I tuned into the stream. And and what I found really interesting about it was this kind of high level thought that was like Zach was talking to a lot of people who were making crossword puzzles, like the people who actually make crossword puzzles for like New York Times. And I don't know who else has them, like the Atlantic. And I think Vulture has, one. you know, like conversations with people whose job it is to put those puzzles together. And was like, there actually is a game here. There actually is something really interesting about the act of putting a crossword puzzle together. Like, you don't actually need to include the clues or anything because just the act of figuring out if you can get words to fit together like that is kind of cool and interesting and, uh, and, and, and a process all its own that could be interesting to gamify. So there was that idea alongside another one, which was like the elegance of Sudoku is that if you're able to figure out where any of the numbers go, in that grid, which if you haven't played Sudoku at all, I guess the like easiest way to explain it is there there are three by three grids in which you have to place the numbers one through nine. They each fit into a specific place in that three by three grid. There are th- sorry, nine of those three by three grids, which means that you need to figure out the placement for all nine of those numbers in all of in all nine of those three by three grids in a way that makes it so all of the rows and columns also only include one through nine and don't repeat any numbers. So that's the puzzle of Sudoku. And and the idea of that game is that if you're able to figure out one of those numbers, you will probably be able to figure out another number because you've now eliminated options. Every time you place one of those numbers one through nine, you've eliminated options from the rest of the board. There's kind of this elegance to making your way through that process of figuring out what do I know based on what I already know? And eventually you'll beat the puzzle. So this thought of like, I want to make a game that's kind of like putting a crossword puzzle together. And I also want to make something that has the elegance of Sudoku, where once you know a letter, once you've placed a letter down, you can figure out more of the puzzle. How do I blend those two things together? And the answer is not words. That is the game. And I was lucky enough. I, I reached out to to Zach before the game launched and said, like, hey, I would love to play this on stream. I would love to talk about this, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I'm going to bring it up on the show um, and got a code for Steam. So just a heads up for like a disclosure reason. I was provided a code for this, um, but I've been playing it for a couple of days. I've been doing the dailies every day on YouTube as well. And it's brilliant. I mean, it's a brilliant game. It re- like immediately is really like strikingly good it is extremely elegant in the same way sudoku is i mean like of those two conceits that birthed this game it really does like knock both out of the park like it really it really is a very new kind of thing it's kind of amazing that it hasn't already existed um and it's achieved at such a high level and it's presented in such a beautiful way yeah it's um, beautiful that it's it's kind of hard to overstate like how how wonderful not words is this is weirdly become like the year of like the golden era of puzzle games, like already between Patrick's Parabox and Not Words. I feel like I'm experiencing genres of games I haven't yeah. normally gravitated towards. And the big one, Wordle, right? Like Wordle, Wordle, is, yes, Wordle being like such a huge breakout that it got bought by the New York Times. I, I, I've been seeing a lot of people saying like Not Words is the game that's going to beat the shit out of Wordle. <laughs> it's like... I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to have them compete like this. They can both exist. Yeah, I do right. both every day. Exactly. I, I think they also they serve very different. They while they're both word games that are sort of like giving you a little bit less to work with. The process in both games is entirely different. You yeah. know, I think yeah. that like Wordle has sort of this uh, almost trial and error uh, loop to it in some mm-hmm. ways. Well, it begins as trial and error, but then it's like okay, like 
going back again so like based on what i know what can i fit in here yeah um not words i think is there's less pressure on it so there's less pressure to figure it out in x amount of moves unless you're score chasing yes um which i, think which I, I do want to get into that a little bit but yeah, yeah keep going i think that it's it's more of a wordle to me is like the game i play to begin my day it's like okay i I need to like give myself a task to like kick off my brain and like get to work yeah and not words is a game i play to like really loosen up my anxiety and like just chill like it's a very relaxing experience coupled with like the music it's such the music is this game didn't need to have music at all (laughs) and it has really great music and like yes just the the contrast of like the white and black over the really nice blue background and like when you ask for a hint this like weird little rabbit pops up it's like Meh. like it asks you like what you want i, I love it like it's <laughs> yeah it's very minimal but the elements that are there speak so loudly and i've noticed and i've only played um like three days of of not words puzzles and i guess to kind of clarify a little bit more like how it works um it gives you a crossword structure but unlike the new york times crossword where you would get like five across and then a hint uh you're given no hints like you said before and even on top of that when you go to like select a part of the crossword if you want to call it that as a noun um it will only highlight independent of the numbered rows and columns it will only highlight like a group of boxes so it'll give you kind of the opposite of wordle it'll give you the letters that are in those boxes but you don't know the word yet so there's a lot of experimentation with like, okay, what I, what I usually do is I look for the rows or columns that are only like three wide. And I try to be like, what, what could be the word here? And what's cool is that like, if you get, if you write a word that exists, the game will accept that, but that doesn't mean it's the right word to use. And I think that, that issue is what makes the game so thrilling. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I, like there is a version where like you could get maybe a corner of the crossword to to work, but that might not be the thing that fits in with the entire right. thing. And then you have right. to rethink like, oh, what were the words actually? And then if you're really stuck, you can ask the rabbit for a hint. And ironically, like the hints that you ask for are what you would get in a normal crossword. So it'll be like five across plural like a group of adventurers or something yeah it gives you the definition of the word but not what the word is which is exactly really smart yeah i think something that i've always bumped up against with with like the new york times crosswords it's so dependent on your knowledge of other media that the actual act of like puzzle solving and guessing is kind of gated by like are you familiar with 30s screwball comedies <laughs> you know it's like it almost feels like like at a certain point you just have to google because like how on earth would i know all of this yeah you know right. so it feels a little bit like and that's kind of the fun because like what ends up happening is like your dad calls you and is like what episode of pokemon was that or you know whatever like someone will reach out to you like <laughs> do you know what about this franchise or whatever yeah um so like that's fun but like that almost happens by accident because there's like at a certain point no realistic way to guess you just either know it or you don't right um and this avoids that entirely because like it's less about knowing the words and more about figuring out what words could exist based on the letters that you're given yeah i okay i have two notes on that yeah the first being um for those of you who've listened to the show for a while you know that i had a a pretty long stint where i was like really really into the new york times crossword puzzle i it's it's i think important to know that because the more you play the new york times crossword puzzle the more you start to learn what words 
those people who make those puzzles are like using like there there are certain hints and clues that come up over and over and over again because it's like one of the easier words to fit in between the crossword structure um so so you'll start to see hints that will repeat themselves or you'll start to see ideas that will repeat themselves and you start to even weirdly the longer you do it you learn who like you learn to check who the author of that puzzle is and then you'll kind of have an unconscious bias in a way of like what words are most likely to show up because of who that author is um one of the brilliant things i think about not words is that it avoids that entirely because so much of it is procedurally generated that's a huge part of um jack schleisinger's role in this is is the ability to procedurally generate these puzzles in ways that like generally speaking won't repeat things very often um just because of like the different parameters that they've been able to enter in uh so so what'll happen is you'll be faced with a lot of words that i think you won't recognize i think a lot of the time like every once in a while you'll be put in a position where it's like i don't even think that's a word but it sure did accept it i find that a lot with like the two or three letter words where i'm like i had no idea that was a thing or even even some of the words that it accepts i i think sometimes are a little bit too lax in a way where it's like it'll accept like it'll accept like shortened versions of words in places where like the New York times crossword would like never, ever do. (laughs) How dare you? Yeah. But what I like about it is that it kind of makes it feel a little bit more casual in that way. And on top of that also keeps you guessing and keeps you in this constant state of learning new words, which was a thing that does happen in the crossword every once in a while. But I find that not words I'm, I'm pressing the, you can press the hint button or you can press the like define this word button after you've written a word down. So like if there's a word and you put it down and you're like, I don't even know what this is. You can press a button that's like, please define this word for me. and It'll give you the definition. So I'm finding that I'm learning a lot more words through not words than I ever did through like Wordle or the New York Times crossword or whatever. Um, and that aspect of it is very cool. Like that's that's a whole side of it that I wasn't even really expecting. Um, but on top of that, this ability to have procedurally generated puzzles means that this game is going to kind of be endless and if you have downloaded the game and you've checked it out you kind of already have seen that because if you pay for it the 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 pricing structure for this game is that it's free to download you can do the dailies every day and i think you can do like the current week or the current month of um of like puzzle books they have like quote unquote like monthly puzzle books if you pay a subscription fee which i think is like I'm not really sure how much it is. I think it might be like a couple dollars a month or something like that. Um, You can get access to the archives. You can get access to like the archives of dailies and the archives of monthly puzzle books. Um, And that goes back currently to 2020. Like that goes to, I think January of 2020 right now where there's like a daily puzzle for all of those days, which is pretty wild by itself. Um, But that also means that they're planning on continuing this, I imagine, for an extended period of time. That means that there are going to be like essentially infinite puzzles. So if you really like not words, you can pay that subscription fee. There's also, thankfully, this is my favorite pricing model of all time. There's the free version that you can play. There's this subscription fee that you can pay to unlock all this stuff. And there is a lifetime fee that you can pay that currently is set at $12, where if you pay $12, you just get everything and you never have to pay subscription fee. Um, which I did immediately because that sounds pretty sick. Um, yeah, it's a good deal. I might do that too. I've been yeah. playing the free version. It has let me play like previous days puzzles. Yeah. 
So that's you can only cool. go back so far, I think, at the moment. I see. If you're I pa- see. if you're playing for free, but if you want to go back even further, if you're like, "Wow, I've exhausted this," uh, our friend of the show, Pablo, texted me the other day, and he was like, "I've already played everything that's available in the free version." <laughs> in like one day, he downloaded the game. And was like, "I I can't put it down." So those are the situations in which it's like, yeah, pay the subscription fee or, or pay the lifetime fee. You'll be rewarded in spades with puzzles. But I, I do appreciate that this can like kind of live on forever. One of the things that they talked about in that stream that I thought was really interesting, too, is like because of the simplicity of the game and because of like the way the game works mechanically, it actually does potentially translate really well to like a pen and paper kind of situation yeah. as well. Um, so they're like, yeah, we're exploring options of like potentially having like printed versions of not words as well like there's a lot of extensibility in terms of this game design where it doesn't have to live in an app but that having been said the app is great i played it on mobile it's really good um as i said earlier i'm playing it on mac via steam um and it works really well there uh as you mentioned like the music is amazing the music changes throughout the day also depending on when you tune in and play it um along with a lot of the like graphics assets will also swap like a lot of the gradients and a lot of the color choices and stuff will change depending on when you play it throughout the day um which is just a very cool little touch that like didn't need to be there but thank god it is because it's yeah really, totally. it's really cool it really um, it really makes this have so much more identity than like you know what could be kind of a cold like not cold like unwelcoming but it's a it's a very like concrete concept that yeah. could just be very mathematical and instead it has like a lot of life to it right yeah it's a it's a really 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 good game no matter where you play it um i i find personally i think i like it more on on uh my mac at the moment like the ability to use my arrow keys and a keyboard is really helpful um i can see that yeah i i have i have instances where i'm going and typing stuff in and it's defaulting to the wrong text box sometimes which which can be a little frustrating so then i'll like go to type something in and realize like way later that it type you know a letter in the wrong spot but you know outside of those little things which i imagine will either change or i i also saw there's a bunch of settings that maybe like i just need to fiddle with them i i imagine uh outside of that people won't run into any issues um yeah i I do recommend going into the options and turn on the larger text setting Uh, yeah yeah. the larger text setting is super helpful now one question and i think this is I think I know the answer, but just to verify, does everyone get the same puzzle every day, like in Wordle? Like, does yeah, everyone have yeah, the, the same daily one? classic is the same for everybody. That's cool. Um, like there's that. also another thing where if you're paying the subscription fee or you pay the lifetime subscription, you get uh, this this version of it that's called uh, the Daily Twist, which is another version of the game. It's another daily puzzle where uh, alongside all the rows and columns, you can see a number and that represents how many vowels are going to be in those rows or columns. Oh, cool. Which uh, is pretty hard. It's pretty difficult. <laughs> you would think that that would maybe make it easier and it super doesn't. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. My other question, speaking of difficulty, is does the difficulty ramp up like the New York Times crossword like throughout the week? Like, it does. Is there it a day really that's does. easier? Inter- yeah. So what's... What's the track? Mon- is Monday is the beginning. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Sunday is the biggest and the longest. It seems like like it really like it, it's kind of, it's a huge puzzle and it will take the longest amount of time. But uh, yeah, it, it, it ramps up throughout the week. I noticed that because I think when I started, it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And then I yeah. like went back to the other days and I noticed like my ability to win was different in each one. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the thing that I find really funny about it so i've been doing these daily videos uh which are up on our youtube the day the game came out i think was a thursday which is like towards the end of the difficulty spike and i had a really 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 hard time with that one like it took me over an hour if you watch that video 
you'll see like i have to get up from my chair and leave i had to do like a bunch of editing because i was just sitting there (laughs) staring at it not being able to solve anything for a long time friday i came in technically a more difficult puzzle knocked it out of the park like completely completely destroyed it and i i think the big shift for me and if i can give one piece of advice to people who haven't checked this game out yet is just start guessing stuff because i think a, a lot of my issue on that wednesday puzzle or sorry on the thursday puzzle was like literally just like decision paralysis like i really i couldn't commit to putting anything down because i wasn't sure of anything and i think the way to actually get better at this game is to kind of throw caution to the wind and say like if you can if you can fit a word in a spot throw it down see how it works because the instances in which you'll need to go and change those letters around it's not actually that hard to fix a fuck up in this game and i I think that's the biggest thing is like in a lot of cases where you think you might back yourself into a corner like uh, what i actually find is sudoku is way worse about this where if you mess something up in sudoku you're gonna have to like erase most of the puzzle you're gonna have to like go back and change most of it not words is really not similar at all in that way where like if you mess up a word sometimes you'll just need to like swap a couple letters and then you're good and then the puzzle fits together again I, i i have found that the cases in which I have messed up an area of the puzzle so bad that I need to like erase a ton of it few and far between maybe almost never. So I I guess just a heads up there like just just try stuff. The game will reward you for just trying stuff. Yeah it also has like a domino effect in a positive way where like I feel like when I'm rearranging stuff and I feel like oh okay that's this that's this and then it will kind of reveal itself as you keep playing based on where like the word groups are allotted. Uh, it's yeah. really, it's really well done. I'm, I, I, you've talked about Zach Gage's work for a very long time. I'm happy that I'm finally experiencing it. Yeah, me too. I, I was really excited yeah. when you told me that you downloaded this one. I'm, I'm glad you're checking it out. Uh, and yeah. I'm glad you're liking it. It makes me want to go back and play good Sudoku as well. Cause I've actually never played Sudoku. So that might be a good, uh, onboarding for me. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Good. Sudo- good Sudoku is kind of miraculous in, in the ways in which they're able to teach you how to play that game. Um, Cause there are really high level concepts that are hard to learn when playing Sudoku that that game really does kind of ease you into in a way that feels like natural and helps you progress in a, in a, in a, in a way that doesn't feel like overwhelming at all, uh, yeah. which, which I feel like it could be. Can I, can I switch gears real quick and bring up another game that I know we're going to talk about more next week, but I want to like lightly touch on. Yes, please do. There is a game that I'm very excited about that came out this week that is called rogue legacy Two. Oh yeah. It has technically been in early access for a long time on PC, but is now available out of early access still on PC, but also on Xbox. It's got a console release. Um, I don't know why Xbox only at the moment it feels as with most things, but specifically because it's a roguelike, it feels like it should be on switch and hopefully it makes it there eventually. Um, but, uh, I'm playing it on Xbox at the moment. Just a bit of a background. I love rogue legacy. It's like maybe one of my favorite games ever. I play it all the time. I have replayed it many times. It is a roguelike in which you make your way through kind of like a, a procedurally generated Castlevania kind of space. You make your way through, collect a bunch of money, You'll play as like a bunch of different classes. And every time you die, you play as the heir to that person that you were just playing as. So you're technically like making your way through the lineage of of this knight. The money that you collect as you continue to make your way through the castle, you can then spend on permanent upgrades. Unlocks that are things that are like new classes that you can get or uh, like permanent health upgrades or permanent damage upgrades. Um, And then there will be a village that you're also building up outside of these upgrades that are like you know, a blacksmith who, if you can go into the castle and bring back a bunch of blueprints, you can unlock like better armor uh, and things like that. Rogue Legacy is a very kind of like 
perfect little clock of a, of a game that is always progressing. The clock is always ticking. So as you continue to play it, you know, you'll get better at it naturally the same way you would in a game like Spelunky, but because it has these permanent unlocks, that means that you probably will see the end of the game. Like, if you start playing Rogue Legacy and you kind of commit to, you know, banging your head against it for a little bit, you will eventually get enough upgrades where even if you're not actually getting better, you will continue to progress, which I think is one of my favorite things about it. It's why it's so easy to recommend for me, I think, for most people who don't have a lot of experience with roguelites. Um, that that is very much the one to i think start with because even a game like the binding of isaac which also has a bunch of um permanent upgrades those upgrades just come in the form of items that like might be worse for you uh so rogue legacy i find very easy to recommend and i i've been very very excited about the possibility of a sequel for a long time um and i remember when it came out in early access people were speaking pretty highly of it uh, but I was really eager to get my hands on it. And I know that you picked it up and you haven't had time to play it yet, which is why we're not like doing a full segment on it. But yeah. I will say that I have played a lot of it in a very short period of time. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of Spelunky 2 in that I feel like it has recaptured the magic of playing Rogue Legacy for the first time again, mm. because there are a lot of new additions, but the core of the game is very similar like at, at the core of the game, it really is just like pick an air, make your way through a castle, try and unlock some stuff, get as much money as possible, upgrade those permanent upgrades. And then eventually you'll hit a point where you're like, I feel pretty comfortable. Like I feel pretty good at this point. Like I have enough upgrades where I can go in and I can clear out the first area and I kind of know what I'm doing. Uh, so now it's time to like poke at the edges of this and see what kind of secrets and weird stuff I can find. That was always the case in Rogue Legacy 1, where 2 really takes that ball and runs with it, and like where it gets really interesting, is that they've added a kind of like narrative element to it, and they've added, and it took me so long to realize this was even in here, in, in, the, in the menu, but they've added like a quest log as well, where you can keep track of certain things that will help you unlock different paths through the castle. So, so the big differentiator between these two is that in Rogue Legacy 1, you could kind of make your way around the castle and go wherever you wanted to, and there were is broken out into sections where like, you know, okay, here's the attic and the attic is like more difficult and there's more like mages and stuff. And here's like the gardens, which has, you know, a bunch of stuff that does like kind of big AOE attacks and whatever. And you can make your way into them and they're going to be harder, but they'll be more rewarding if you can beat that stuff. Rogue Legacy 2 doesn't let you make your way into those sections at all. They're like, hey, you need to have specifically unlocked this item to get in here and start exploring this. Which at first I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. I'm, I'm kind of kind of bummed at that. But it, it's working for me because of this quest system, because they're like, hey, this is how you make your way through the secret area or like look for, you know, the fourth glowing lantern in this tower and like hit this wall and maybe you'll find some stuff. Um, that kind of stuff makes the game exciting from an exploratory perspective outside of needing to like push into areas that should be too hard um and and i think it kind of recaptures that same element of like the more you play the more you'll progress that rogue legacy one had but adds to it the ability to feel that kind of same progression and reward in exploration as well um it's really it's a really brilliant decision i think that they've made um and that's not even to get into like all the extra traits that they've added and all the cool classes that they've added and just the ways in which they've expanded on like the core mechanics but i i think that big difference between one and two is is really really interesting and is is making me feel like spelunky 2 did like i'm playing rogue legacy for the first time again um but you know getting to experience all this new stuff it's really cool that's awesome I, I believe that when Rogue Legacy came out, that was around the same time FTL did. So like 
that was my roguelike. Like mm, I fell yeah. very deep into FTL. So that might have been why I didn't play a lot of the first one. But I, I've been really curious with the second one, and I know your admiration for the series at this point. Um, so we will report back. But I, based on what you're saying, it sounds like it's a great time. And I like, I like roguelikes that are interested in progression of some kind. You know, I think Hades is another good example of, like, no matter yeah. how well you're doing, quote-unquote, there's, like, always something being advanced, whether it's, like, just a narrative. And I think Hades has a, a stronger focus on narrative, for sure. Right. But, like, even still, like, you're getting, like, darkness to invest in abilities, and, like, you'll probably have some resources to invest in, like, the Hall of Hades and stuff. So, like, there, there are... It eases the frustration of what is, from Go, a pretty difficult game. Yes. That, like, you're given encouragement to keep going so that sounds that sounds great i got it on xbox so i'm excited to give it a shot yeah it's really good they some some of the mechanic stuff i think i'll be interested to see how you feel about um because yeah. they, they've they've added more mechanics to like the actual movement like your actual method of traversing the world uh is a little bit more complex than it was in the first and i and at first i was like this is maybe too much I think it, I think it really assumes that you've played the first one and they're like, hey, check out all this cool new stuff that we've added. Um, but I'm wondering for someone like you who hasn't spent that much time in the first one. And it's also been, I don't even know, seven or eight years, I guess, since that game came out. Uh, I'm, I'm, cur- <laughs> I'm curious to see how you'll feel about the opening hours. My yeah. my plea to you is to keep playing past that, because I, I think the fact that they lock so much uh behind like needing to go read a bunch of books that you find lying around and and quests and things like that is that it'll be a long time before you even fight the first boss and because it takes so long to get to that point that means that you will have leveled up and invested enough in in your permanent upgrades that you'll like feel pretty confident as you make your way towards that first boss Um, yeah so i i would recommend like come back next week having at least seen that first boss you don't have to beat them, but like having at least seen it. And, and then I, I think you'll have a good sense of if you're into the game or not. Yeah, I, I'm optimistic I will enjoy it. But yeah, that, that will be my that will be what I play up into at the very least. Yeah, it's it's uh, immediately become my podcast game. I'm like immediately <laughs> like all I want to do is listen to podcasts and play Rogue Legacy 2. Um, and I'll, I'll say this. If you haven't played the first one, it's available on pretty much every platform. It's also available on Switch uh, and it f- very frequently goes on sale. And it's uh, one of my favorite games ever. So I, I recommend checking it out. Thank you for your uh, brief but powerful run as the podcast game Forza Horizon 5. Uh, <laughs> we'll never forget you. I can't you wait to it? see the air of Forza Horizon 5. <laughs> I'm a car with human legs. Um. <laughs> I'm imagining like a reverse <laughs> Flintstone situation. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I mean, I think reverse Flintstones might be a good uh, uh, note to end this episode on. Uh, this brief, <laughs> okay. much like for, uh, I almost said Horizon, Forza Horizon 5's brief but powerful run. This is a brief but powerful episode. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to take a quick break and then, uh, <laughs> and yeah, then let's, come back and let's and we'll, reset. We'll wrap up? from the human legs i think i need a bit of a break from that. <laughs> I need to escape the human legs yeah we'll be back okay. soon we'll be back See soon you then. bye-bye hello and welcome to into the aether ultra deluxe it's an ultra low-key video game podcast and my name is brendan bigley Ultra hello, my name is Stephen Hilger. Today's episode is so low-key, we have no games to talk about today. 
we we forgot <laughs> we've been playing De- uh, delta rune and undertale and just like so wrapped up in the world of of those games for our upcoming bonus that uh we didn't we didn't play anything else but yeah. we were like we should i i think there i think there was a, an inkling of like maybe we bail on doing an episode this week but we were like i don't know we're, we like blocked out the time like it's always on our calendars we should just like hop on the mic and see what happens yeah i mean i think you know at a certain level like we're here for each other you know like i yeah. think that uh we can make an episode work with with very little if one of our most popular episodes is about cats 2019 <laughs> that is a harder thing to discuss than nothing that's true that's a good point that's a good point i totally agree um so i guess i guess going into this episode the the big question was like okay what do we talk about then yeah i mean the other thing too is like i've been preparing so much for the ds episode because that's coming up and like i've been trying to knock out a bunch of games off my list um but i also like while i love bringing uh, a new ds game to the show i also want to keep some for the episode so I think I think that this weird idea was the way to go. Yeah. Uh, so you're telling me that you don't want to talk about aliens infestation today. <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean, I could tell you what it's about. Um, <laughs> is that even the name of it? That is the name of it. Aliens. Infest- you and I. So you you played that one is what you're telling me this week. Yeah, I also I played that one this week. Weirdly. How'd you like it? It was fine. <laughs> it was okay. It's yeah. it's there's a weird thing on the DS that I've noticed where there's a lot of so uh, obviously there's a lot of third party support for the DS just because it was such a huge hit. Because of that, I think there there's a strange tendency for a lot of companies to like try and make first party Nintendo games but like with different IP. So, uh weirdly two of the games that I played in the same sitting for like an hour each was Aliens Infestation, which is like extremely a metroidvania just in in the world of aliens specifically the james cameron aliens like the sequel to alien where like you're playing as a bunch of marines exploring like an like an old shitty derelict ship that you know some stuff has gone wrong can you guess what it might be um and i also played (laughs) another game it's just plumbing guess who (laughs) plumbing's all fucked up yeah (laughs) yeah you get guns to shoot goop so you can (laughs) plug all the holes that's why Um, i want to bring it up there's no aliens in this game (laughs) (laughs) we're the aliens um and then the other game i've been playing is is my sims which uh i had seen on like a list of somebody's list because you know you and i checked out a bunch of lists of people's favorite ds games somebody's list said my Sims somewhere i forget where it was i was like oh i'll add it to the list i'll check it out and it's just animal crossing it's just Animal Crossing. It is literally Animal Crossing, but you're playing as The Sims. And you make your way around a town. You hang out with people. Uh, it's really bizarre. It's a really strange thing. But that that seems to be a trend. It seems to be a trend on the DS, which I wasn't super expecting. Um, yeah. But I do, to give Alien Infestation some credit, I do like that you can choose which Marine you're playing as. And they're, they all kind of feel like echoes of characters in the movie. So yeah. like, th- I like, I like that there's like a lot of like character to the game, but the Metroidvania aspect was like just full of locked doors. And I was like, right. My favorite part of Metroidvania isn't just lack of progress. Like I don't, I don't, I don't play yeah. these games because that there's like a million blocked pathways. In Metroid, the the way that they block pathways is by you unlocking new abilities. Like you you are becoming more equipped as a character. You have more tools at your disposal. You have a lot of stuff going on that you can now employ, like in combat and out of combat, but specifically to progress uh, through a door that maybe you couldn't progress until you got like a specific kind of missile or a specific kind of like photon beam or whatever. 
And Alien's infestation is like, what if you just didn't have the right key card? What yeah. if your key card didn't have the right access level? Which is like so not exciting by comparison. Which is kind of a bummer, but uh, I I am kind of with you. Where like I appreciate a lot of what's going on. Like the writing is actually surprisingly good. Yeah, um, and and I I like the art a lot too. I think like the game looks really good, but uh, I don't I don't think it's gonna make my lists even. I don't think so either. I also like the idea that us saying we're gonna talk about nothing resulted in my Sims and aliens infestation. <laughs> <laughs> Like when you divide the show by zero, two mediocre DS games appear. And they're like, what about us? When's our turn, Stephen and Brendan? (laughs) This Um, is my Sims, my show. You know what else I want to shout out real quick while we're just talking about DS games for no reason in particular is uh, PopCap, the the company that I don't think exists anymore, had like really good support for the DS and they put just like Plants vs. Zombies on there. And I hadn't played Plants vs. Zombies in a really long time, but that game is still very good. Have yeah, you played Plants for Zombies? I did uh in college. I have I have very vivid memories of like sitting in my dorm's lounge. Yeah. Like kind of ambiently playing Plants for Zombies on my MacBook while I just like talked to people in passing. Yeah. I love I, that game. I weirdly have that relationship with a lot of DS games because like my freshman year of college is 2010. So like that was a big Stevens in the lounge playing something, what's up vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that that dorm room lounge is like connected to a lot of the library here. Yeah. My friend Alan, who was one of my dorm mates, he had like a super fancy uh, hacked DS, like before I even knew that like was a thing you could do. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember watching Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, like over his shoulder. Oh, yeah. Which I, th- I think the best way to play that game is to watch it over <laughs> someone's shoulder, like in the summer, preferably. Yeah. And just be like, wow, what's that? Half remembered like a half remembered dream. like a dream exactly yeah, 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 yeah. exactly yeah I, I don't know the, the process of uh doing this episode has been very interesting uh we're, we're getting closer and closer we're recording this on may 1st uh, yeah and and we're doing the episode at some point next month which is pretty wild so we're i'm like very kind of excited the wire. for it yeah I, yeah I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation and i already feel very strongly about my candidates yeah uh, of of top 10 games so I, i'm also very uncertain if our lists will look the same at all like i think it might be a very different uh top 10 for each of us which yeah. doesn't happen super often i feel like it's we're we're almost always kind of on the same page um i think it's always kind of thrilling when we're very much not like yeah the breadth <laughs> of this library is pretty substantial i mean yeah. there's just so much stuff and even even a lot of franchises that have a whole bunch of entries like okay which one are you picking for x franchise you know i I, i'm I'm very curious to see uh and as i already mentioned like the third party support is like really wild so unlike the game boy advance one i think there's gonna be a lot more like non-nintendo stuff probably on our list if i was to guess Um, yeah but who knows i mean the nintendo stuff on the ds is really good no shade on the game boy advance monsters inc but you know uh top 10 is is a tough category yeah exactly there was that there was that attack of the clones game that was in 3d on the game boy advance that was (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so one of those situations you and i were talking about this off the show but it, there, there are a lot of situations on uh the nintendo ds where it's like they were able to make a game happen and that's a miracle but that doesn't mean it's good like <laughs> tony hawk american skateland is just the worst place to play tony hawk but oh, it, it totally. sure is a full 3d tony hawk game available on the nintendo ds but like i wouldn't recommend playing that over literally any other tony hawk game on any other platform that's that's one thing to keep in mind when we when we've done these two kind of console retrospective episodes that like like you said there are games where it's like oh if this works it's a miracle it works but that's not enough like now and the other thing is like 
I feel like for a lot of games, there was a big novelty to have it handheld. So like, I think you might've been more willing to accept certain like cuts made and certain things falling short because like, Oh, this is just cool to have it handheld mm-hmm. and like a post switch world or like post steam deck um, and post like all these various third party emulation handheld devices. Like mm-hmm. the idea of just having it handheld has kind of lost the novelty in a way, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. I think the desire is still there, but the idea that like, Oh, I'll, t- I'll take this sort of slightly less good version of the game because it's handheld that I think has changed a bit. Now or that we're getting like, like full experiences on handhelds. The, yeah. I, I yeah. The expectation mean. is higher. And that's, that's something that's actually made the fact that we have such high expectations for hand, handheld devices made the, the game boy advance episode for me so miraculous like playing through that library i was so impressed at like how many of those games still felt like a miracle that this works you know yeah absolutely yeah i uh i have found that i think the games that will probably make my list are the ones that i play when i bring my ds with me in my pocket on the subway yeah like those games where i am actually out in the world and i'm like it would be cool to be playing the nintendo ds right now are the games that are, are the ones that are sticking with me. Um, there, there are a bunch that like I sit down on, I have like this like kind of big chair in my office that I sit down on and I'm like, this is my DS chair. This is the chair where I, <laughs> I play DS games for this episode. But the ones that, that leave that chair are like the hits. Those are the ones that are like, I'm glad this is handheld and I can bring it with me. Yeah. That's a great, that's a, that's a cool metric to have. I'm wondering, mine is often like I, I, for every reason played the DS before bed a lot. So like, yeah, I just a lot of them are like, what am I like when I'm really tired? What am I playing? <laughs> but we'll see how that informs our decision. I'm trying to think about it from multiple angles. And again, it's all subjective, but like it's fun to sort of train your brain to like think like, what is it that I want out of the system? What are the highlights? What did I enjoy the most? Yeah. Hey, do you want to take a break and talk about something that's not the Nintendo DS? I don't want to give too much away about yeah, the Nintendo I, DS. I, bonus. I think that was an appropriate teaser based on us having nothing planned. So why don't we, <laughs> why don't we ultra move on? <laughs> Let's ultra split, baby. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether Ultra Deluxe. It's an ultra low-key video game podcast. My name is AJ. My name is Kim. And welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, I was just, I'm coming off of watching a bunch of cake videos, (laughs) so I'm really in kind of a state right now. But uh, were you we watching them for any particular reason? Or is it- so there's there there's these, these these series of YouTube channels that exist um, that are uh, Korean street food channels, um, mm. but they will take you into the kitchens of these places. And the aesthetic of the of the ones that Tara and I really love are com- there's no commentary. The mm-hmm. camera, it's very cinema verite. Okay. Uh, if you're, if you know, <laughs> that, I don't. Uh, documentary <laughs> I said principle. okay, it's, like I know, but yeah, I it's, don't. It, it's a documentary thing where sure. you just place, you just place the camera down and let whatever happens happen in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. You, you, there's no artist influence, quote unquote, you know, <laughs> yeah, sure. that's debatable. So, so it's, it's very much like that. They'll just go to these kitchens and just film a person making whatever. Um, so the most recent one was a, uh, a, a mass production cake shop um so they were making these they were called dynamite cakes so they had like a a well in the middle that was full of like sprinkles and then like a little chocolate that had pop rocks inside the chocolate uh in just and that was encased in a vanilla cake with a lot of sprinkles it was really great 
those those videos are the equivalent of like asmr for my eyes um <laughs> so but yeah so so that was what i was doing but uh as you can probably tell this is a video game podcast yes. so <laughs> we love to talk about games speaking of asmr for your eyes yes uh wow yeah uh we played this week uh the highly anticipated do counter to do it to them that's t-w-o t-w-o do it to them so great wordplay first of all yeah i love the title this is obviously the long-awaited follow-up to do counter obviously is a a hit that everyone loves classic 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 uh how how did you have you been liking it let me sorry let me just catch it it's good i like it it's great Mm -hmm. i'm having a wonderful time playing Mm -hmm. but there's just like this feels like a mean comparison but you know and i uh, this is also maybe a wrong comparison but there was one sports game that just came out last year Mm -hmm. and i can't remember if it was like nba 2k or if it was the fifa game but it was basically the exact same game as the year before with like no changes i mean yeah they always are yeah i'm well i'm kind of unfortunately getting kind of similar vibes Oh, really but it's not bad because like i liked the first one right i still like this one and it looks it looks wild it's great it's amazing we should should probably back up and explain for people who aren't familiar with the franchise the concept of the do counter games is that you uh you go outside you leave your home you have to go uh, early in the morning before the sun has climbed over the horizon and right. find a leaf. It has to be obviously covered in dew. Right. And you uh, count the dew drops on the leaf. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, AJ, I agree with you. The dew counter two is kind of it's it, it hasn't improved that much on on dew counter one. I mean, aside from uh, obviously the graphics are incredible. The leaf yeah. looks amazing amazing also a cool thing to point out i think you're breathing so like mm-hmm. there is air that will if you get the camera close right. enough, the you're, air will move the you're leaf. impacting it's the, crazy the, that's very the game cool. board yeah so yeah if, if you if you you breathe you know in a way that'll move one of these larger dewdrops, it will drip off mm-hmm. but it'll leave like a trail with like littler right. drops of dew which you then have to count that is really <clears throat> i do love that it's, yeah that's awesome and i think i think maybe i started out on the wrong foot because no. i really <sighs> i mean it is listen it's a valid criticism like it's been years and and you would think that they would have uh, kind of evolved the format like just as an example i when i was playing this morning i was thinking like do you remember uh uh cloud control the game cloud control yeah yeah so that was uh, for those who aren't familiar that was the one where you go um outside to to like a grassy field and you lay on your back and stare up at the endless blue sky and and you count clouds but there was a multiplayer mode where like sometimes the cloud would look like like a bunny rabbit or like a Mm. duck and you could point it out to your friend and be like oh look at that one that one looks like a bunny rabbit or a duck and then Mm. your friend would be like oh look at this one it looks like a race car um i feel like they could have incorporated that kind of multiplayer element into counter two where like your leaf, maybe your leaf has like a cool ladybug on it. You could be like, Hey Kim, look at my ladybug. (sighs) And I could be like, mine has a beetle. Take a look at that. Um, I just feel like it's, it's like, you know, obviously like, I don't want to like second guess, you know, someone's vision as a developer, but like, I, I just think that, that really could have added to the experience. 
that I, yeah and i think that's exactly what i am like missing i didn't realize that that was like mm-hmm. what it was really or something like um, that right yeah i don't know but, but like i said I, I i don't know i'm enjoying the game is the thing so yeah, like maybe it doesn't need to do anything new because like it's still it's still good it's still hey it's on the list you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah of course maybe 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 that's all it needs to do i don't know maybe to do, to do it to um, hey oh hey maybe that's what they meant it's com- it's complicated but i i don't know it it's it's really fun but I, did you okay so you have you messed around uh at all with any of the like uh like the clock settings and stuff no there's a, what i don't do? know if okay so it's really it's wild in in the like if you go to the your your, your settings menu and then there's like the the I can't remember what the what the actual, the exact menu is called. But poke around mm-hmm. your settings. There there is a real time clock option. Okay. And then you you know put in your time zone or whatever, and then you have you have to be up <laughs> at the right time. Like you have to be up at due time. Um, <laughs> what time is due time? Uh, you know, it's like it, I mean, it depends on the area. You know, yeah, that's um, true. Where I grew up, due time was like seven. Mm-hmm. 10 in the morning depending mm-hmm. on the the time of year like um there were times where i would i would wake up to walk to the school bus and like my entire front lawn would just be like it, i couldn't walk across the lawn because it would get my yeah. shoes so wet oh yeah and that's real i'm not making it up. <laughs> 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 yeah i that that seems like i i don't know i i like that they're putting in like like difficulty like options immersion. like that yeah. but yeah it's like sometimes you don't always have time to be up at due time sometimes at due time you you want to sleep in or you want to yeah. like feed the dog or i don't know yeah but i mean that's that's like uh, uh, the simplicity of 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 the do counter games i think is is like paramount to the whole thing and like yeah. sometimes you don't wake up in time to see the do you know what i mean like sometimes right. you don't see the do and that's just kind of the the thing yeah sometimes you, you know get, yeah sometimes you miss the do you just have to get just, up yeah if yeah. you want to see the do you gotta you gotta, you gotta put get in up. the work mm-hmm. yeah you gotta get up but yeah i um i don't know is there is there anything else you had you had about do counter two i i don't i don't think so i'm enjoying it it's kind uh, of a baby segment yeah, yeah i'm j- i i did want to ask what's your high score oh uh, man hold on i left my vita downstairs <laughs> uh i think it's like 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 1280 or something like that i I don't oh wow that's impressive (laughs) (laughs) hello and welcome to floating around the ether ultra deluxe it's all today's gaming hits so forget about yesterday my name is brandon bigley i'm steve hilger i've forgotten already brandon i uh i think today is an important day um so the new zelda came out um letting zelda call of the clouds a game we've been waiting for for a long time and you know i i don't want to be too mean here but i'm kind of pissed off about it um you know first of all the way it was inexcusable i know a lot of that was finding the right actor to play link and you know i'm like many fans i'm like so excited that he finally has a voice and that like he has a lot of personality he doesn't take no for an answer he's sort of a bad boy love his catchphrase i love his catchphrase like who who are you talking to i think it's like a pretty cool catchphrase um the way he says it when he's like he kind of like flips the bird. It's it's. This is not a game for kids, okay? It's Link, not your daddy's Zelda. It's not your daddy's Zelda, and I'm just so happy Nintendo's finally realized the truth of the series. So that is good. I do like I do like Link's character. Um, I like that Ganon has uh, sort of the 
mayor of Halloween Town's face where he can switch. I think that's kind of a cool, like, one minute he's Ganondorf and then he's like, Whack! Ganon, you know? But do you think it's too much of a ripoff? Yeah, I, I did wonder that mid-song. And again, I think that, like, the introduction of voices in general has led to sort of overkill of, of just vocal authority in this game. Between yeah. the musical numbers and sort of the... You know, the character that speaks exclusively in riddles. I mean, yeah, I, I get that they're sort of incorporating the puzzle themes, but it, it's a lot to swallow. The thing that I really can't stand is the frame rate of this game. Is oh, wait, Steve, can you hold on a second? Sure. I think Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether Ultra Deluxe. It's an ultra low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. Ultra Hello, my name is Stephen Hilger. I really uh, love how much we've like immediately latched onto Ultra Hello. Oh, like, yeah. Like we've become huge Rune Factory fans <laughs> so quickly. I think I like the phrase Ultra Hello more than I like any Rune Factory game. <laughs> and I, I've enjoyed them, to be clear. I've enjoyed... Yeah, yeah that just says how much you like Ultra yeah, Hello. I'm, I'm trying to highlight how much I like Ultra Hello, especially said matter of fact. You know, it's yeah. like... It's really reinforcing like how much I am greeting you. you yeah, I, there, there's a there's a constant thing with you when you text me and other people <laughs> where you'll just like you'll just say like "Hey" with like a sunglasses guy emoji, you know. Yeah, and I feel like Ultra Hello has kind of replaced that, but also it keeps the same energy because I feel yeah. like Ultra Hello, you feel like a person should be yelling it, but the fact that somebody's just like Ultra Hello, it's like oh wow, <laughs> that's actually that's very nice actually. Ultra Hello, and they give you a gift it's like oh shit, wow, yeah. Thank you. Well, we'll talk about some games today, uh, some some new games. But first, I, I think you wanted to highlight an experience that you had recently where you got to say ultra hello to a friend. I have an ultra update. Yeah. So <laughs> my friend Eric came over and uh, we had this kind of interesting plan. And it was actually his idea. So credit to Eric here. He was like, I kind of want to have a version of a LAN party with Elden Ring. So what if I came over and like brought my PS5 with me, set it up, and I'll I, he had like a portable screen as well, like a monitor that he could play on. I will play Elden Ring like at your desk with my setup, and you'll play Elden Ring on your TV, and we will do co-op together like in the same room. I love this. Um, so I we kind of so like much. makeshifted local co-op for Elden Ring, which yeah. like. Now that I've experienced it, I kind of wish that was an option. Like, I wish there was a way to just plug in another controller and do like split screen. Which actually, that would be a fucking nightmare. Knowing <laughs> Elden Ring, but either way, I I uh, I hadn't really done a lot of co-op. Like my, if you want to hear about our full experience at Elden Ring, spoilers. We have a bonus about it. We also have a spoiler-free. Uh, partially spoiler free like there's a there's a spoiler free section about Elden Ring with our friend Chris Plant that episode is called Consider the Wretch mm-hmm. uh, from last month or two months ago I don't know time is relevant but um when I played the game initially I I summoned a friend at the first boss and then like uh I summoned you for another boss on stream which was a lot of fun yeah uh and then like towards the end I I asked for help and I also helped other people but like 
the majority of my playthrough was just single player. Like I kind of ignored a lot of the multiplayer options. So I'm now a new game plus, which without saying too much, like you'd basically just start the game again, but you, you have all your current equipment, mm-hmm. your current level. And enemies have more health and do more damage, but they're also still at the level that like they should be in the game. Right. So you just show up in Limgrave and you destroy everything. It's I, unbelievable. It's an incredible I beat, feeling. I beat the first big boss who, for 99% of people playing Elden Ring, that boss will be impossible for at least... 5 to 15 to 45 <laughs> attempts i beat him in one try like yeah. easily yeah it was thrilling so yeah. like basically new game plus is the stress-free run of elden ring and really what you just get to do is like explore and see the many things you missed like even in this short time i just basically what i was doing was like my friend who is playing for the first time is at stormvale castle the only big downside to New Game Plus is that while I have the whole map unlocked, I don't have all the sites of grace. Like I have to refine them again, which right. I guess kind of makes sense because like it's essentially a new game, so I wouldn't be able to just teleport to the end. Yeah. Um. So I have to like go through uh, the sites of grace to get to Stormville Castle, and it's like the speed at which I can do it is like incredible and thrilling. Um. But even just like speeding along to catch up to the site of grace, my friend was at. I like found an item I never found before that belonged to Rodrika, an NPC you meet early on mm. that like changed some dialogue with her. And like, it was like a moment of her quest. I didn't even know existed. So like I, I am playing new game plus on my own with the intention to like see and do everything and explore. Right. And it shows how magical this game is that even when I'm sprinting, I find something new. Totally. Um, so that just a huge recommendation. Like if you've if you've finished Elden Ring, New Game Plus is a joy. I love it. And it also helps that like you'll have any idea what anyone is talking about. <laughs> it's like you, even if you haven't like full like the game is still opaque enough that like even when you beat it, you're gonna have more questions than not. But uh seeing like what is being discussed in the opening of the game, like the opening cinematic and like what characters are saying and who they're talking about. I'm like, Oh, this makes way. Like, there's a logic to follow here. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in a weird way, it's kind of like playing 13 Sentinels again. I mean, yeah, both games totally. that are very hard to follow when you first play, but like once you know the whole thing, you're like, Oh wow. Like this is all there from the start. I just like, I wasn't able to make the connections right away yeah um, there's another aspect of this that i think is interesting that I, I talked about a little bit when i was talking about my new game plus experience that they've patched a lot of stuff in like they've added yeah. more npc side quests and they've they've like finished some stuff that apparently wasn't finished when the game started but i just assumed i was missing like kind um, of heights quest like kind uh, of heights quest which i was just like <laughs> man i can't believe i never figured out how to finish that but it turns out it just wasn't in the video game yet that's um, on ken that wasn't on us yeah yeah that is on ken but I, it, it's exciting to now be experiencing that game again uh, and, f- and finding new things and not even knowing like, is this a thing that they've patched in or is this a thing that was always here? And I somehow didn't see it. Um, yeah. It's exhilarating. It's really cool. It's so cool. So yeah, essentially we, and the thing about multiplayer is like, it's still a little bit tedious. Like you have to be like physically at the spot you want them to summon you at, yeah, and, you know, yeah. but either way we made it work and we made our way through Stormvale castle together. And What's interesting about that, though, is that, again, I've only really done multiplayer for bosses. When you're into sort of like a cooperative area, which usually you'll see the Statue of America where like it's like not broken. Like there's like a certain like 
uh, statuette of America that marks like you can summon like a, a group of people here to help you out. This is like a, uh, it's an online zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually have added in the map. You can like this is the most direct I think FromSoft will ever be like <laughs> about the mechanics of their game. But when you look at the map, you can turn on like what are the zones of the map that are specifically designed for co-op and PVP. Yeah. And they're and they're connected usually. There's like a Venn diagram of like there's a place where they intersect. The heart of the intersection is Stormvale Castle. Like that is one of the areas where like it is the most online place in Lindgrave. <laughs> so they call became... me the Stormvale Castle of my friend group. <laughs> exactly right. So we were making our way through Stormvale Castle, and I would say like fifty percent of the time we would get invaded. And it was by one person and there was two of us. And like, it honestly, like part of it was a little annoying because our goal was just to get to the boss of that area and like try to take him down. But it was, it eventually became more fun, especially the way that Stormvale is like built architecturally as like a fighting game level Mm. is really interesting because like the, the enemy would like, throw a jar of scarlet raw at us and then like go down the stairs and like try to bait us to go down. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not giving you the advantage. Like I'm going to yeah. wait for you to come to me. So like that, I kind of got a flavor of why people like PVP. Cause I've never really understood like the appeal of it in these games. It's like Tom and Jerry. It's like straight up Tom and Jerry. <laughs> exactly. So it was fun to have like another antagonist. Cause that, you know, when, when you beat the game and you go back, like, some of this is second nature, even without like, studying it on a deep level like you'll be like, okay i know this person's gonna throw a bomb here with my like dark moon great sword i'm just destroying everything like in one or two hits yeah um my health was scaled down to like be at a a normal enough level but because my gear is so good like nothing like very few things gave me pause so to add the threat of a, a human player as i helped my friend through this environment was a really fun experience and i would recommend if it makes sense for you to like bring all this equipment in one room playing this game (laughs) actually together was a really fun and thrilling experience i would i would recommend a land party elden ring setup for sure oh man (laughs) i really want to do it it just you're you're like unlocking a whole new path in my life (laughs) Uh-huh. It's like it. It's like I. I don't know if I want to walk through this door, but I'm thinking about walking through this door. You know, <laughs> you can slip a note under the door. Be like, one day. <laughs> I, now the the elephant in the room is that if you just are playing on PC, this is a very easy thing to do. You know, it's just like you all just show up with your laptops and you play Elden Ring together. But oh, yeah, that's if you're playing awesome. on console, it's a little bit more of a Death Stranding, like carrying the weight of this decision with you someone else's apartment or house <laughs> uh but i just wanted to share that because i think like there's a lot of there's a lot of appeal now that i didn't fully expect from new game plus and there's a lot of appeal with co-op and pvp so like it's kind of it's kind of injected even more interest into a game that i already knew was going to be like something i always go back to it, it felt surprisingly fresh and i think like armed with the knowledge of like I kind of know this world, but I also know that there's so much I haven't seen. Right. It's, it's a thrilling balance for the second time around. Yeah. I do think I, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it, but there is a section of the game that kind of like teaches you the ropes and throws you into PVP. So like there are a couple of characters that you'll fight that'll look like invaders, but are actually NPCs, but there's an actual yeah. quest line that like asks you to go do PVP for a little bit and then come back. Um, and I, I really appreciated that that was there because I, I have been a person 
for the longest time who really has shied away from that aspect of FromSoft games. Like that's very much not why I'm there. And I, yeah, I had too. the same feeling that you did in, in that case where I, I jumped in as an invader into other people's worlds and was like, oh, I really understand why there's a whole community that loves this and, and thinks about this and considers this like the reason to play these games. Um, not that it's going to be the reason for me, but it's more of a reason for me now than it ever was. Yeah, it, it's something that would would change up the experience. I think it will keep this game like the game's community alive, at least in a way for a yeah. very long time. Especially given the amount of combat options you have in this game, like it are based on the many invaders I face, there seems to be a favorite build uh, amongst invaders. There's always gonna be meta. It's a it's a yeah, yeah it's a PvP game. There's always gonna be a meta. At the same time, though, like I mean, I I I've been getting a lot of TikTok videos about like like there was one that kind of went viral of like the person dressed up as one of Godric's foot soldiers. Just like walking around as if he was just a random NPC in the game. That's so and good. like the other person just quit because they couldn't find him. <laughs> like, that's so funny. <laughs> like he even like walked and like stopped and look at the looked at the campfire and then walked back. I love that. Um yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. So uh What was that game uh, that was like that? Was that was that Spy Party? You ever hear about Spy Party? Yeah, you had to like blend in at like a sort of James Bond party. Yeah, right? that was like the precursor yeah. to Among Us in a way yeah absolutely that's interesting yeah but yeah i just just an update on elden ring that i didn't fully expect and spy party and among us wow. <laughs> big section um do you want to take a break and then we'll come back and talk about more video games that sounds great to me okay cool goodbye Bye. This week's episode of Into the Aether Ultra Deluxe is brought to you by Brain Waverly, the twice-a-day supplement that's guaranteed to improve your memory and sharpen your focus throughout the day. Asterisk. Wait, do I say asterisk or am I supposed to... Do I say asterisk or do I, do I say what the asterisk is marking afterwards? Anyway. <clears throat> this super nootropic concentration boost formula, asterisk, asterisk... Wow, there's, there's two here. What is it? What does this say? Okay, statements regarding dietary supplements have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or health condition. Oh. Okay. Um. Maybe not. Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether Ultra Deluxe. It's an ultra low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. And uh, despite being ultra, this week... (laughs) This is maybe actually the opposite of ultra. Yeah, this week we have ultra one game to talk about. (laughs) It's a good game, though. It is a really good game, and I think this this will definitely be an unhinged episode for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I look, I, I don't think this is going to be like um, like a Sekiro episode, for example, for those of you old heads who've been listening for a long time. I guess that was not that long ago, but that was our first year. Yeah, that, actually, that was early 2019, and it was also f- the first episode AJ edited. 
Yes. Uh, so it's a landmark title for that reason alone. Yes. But that, that game that was so wildly good that that was the only thing that we talked about and it was like a full length episode. This yeah. is this is a situation where uh, this is a great game. Don't get either of us wrong. But also we have so much other stuff going on that I don't yes. know if we if we have the time to do a full episode. And we were like, ah, do we take the week off? But, you know, it's like we should talk about Nintendo Switch Sports, a new video game. We should make ultra content about Nintendo Switch Sports. <laughs> I keep almost calling it Wii Sports, like almost every time. Yeah. To me, it's impossible to take out the Wii from from Nintendo Sports. I do keep calling it Wii Sports. I, I, had, yeah. to, I had to look at our show notes to remember that this is called Nintendo Switch Sports. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to remember the name, I think. Uh, you and I have both been playing it. I did a little yes. stream of it um, a couple days ago. I will probably do more streams of it or like a video or something about it uh, soon because I really like it. I'll just say that at the top. It's extremely good. Uh, it's it's kind of everything that I wanted it to be. Y- you know what it really does? It really recaptures that Wii Sports energy of like two of the games are great and the other ones are fine. <laughs> <laughs> you need a stinker to accelerate the rest, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think any of them see... are like terrible. But no, like... no, no. I think like in the Wii Sports original for the Wii, like golf was actually crap. Like somehow they just like messed up golf enough, which should have been one of the easier ones to do. But like all the courses were like waiting room green and like <laughs> the the bar that you would do like would weirdly become like flaccid and like fall down. Like it just was impossible to like gauge. Yeah. I have what a you theory. I have a theory about that. And yeah. and it also maps pretty cleanly to what's going on with this game as well. I will say though that golf is coming to Nintendo Switch Sports as a free update in the summer. Oh, okay. Or I, early I, fall. I think they'll, and I'm very I think excited they'll get it right. I think with the with the original 2006 Wiimote, uh, that was impossible to find. I <laughs> I have a vivid memory. So like I I remember when the Wii came out. I was also a teenager, so like I wasn't the one trying to get it, but like. I remember the holiday season, the Wii was a new thing. I got three Wii games under the tree for Christmas. I got Twilight Princess, uh-huh. amazing. Uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, oh. uh, which also was a very fun like popcorn game. I love those uh, games, yeah. Yeah, me too. And then uh, the other one was uh, a Wii Sports came with it. And Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz, uh, my muse. That's a great lineup. So I got those three games. And then I got like an IOU, like, sorry, mom couldn't find a Wii in stock, but like, these are the games you have, which is very sweet. But like, I yeah. was like, I remember reading like the instruction manual for <laughs> Banana Blitz. Um, and I finally, we, like, I would say a couple months later, we, we got a Wii. I remember going to visit my friends in New York City and bringing my Wii with me, but I only had one Wiimote and going to literally every store that could possibly sell video games. Like yeah. at a certain point you had to just go to like Rite Aid and be like, do they, or like Dwayne Reed, do they, do they have Wiimotes here for mm-hmm. some reason? Yeah. Um, I have the only way they were so sold out famous Nintendo, like not having proper stock for the demand. Uh, but I also remember the only way I could get another Wiimote so we could all play Wii sports together was if I got Wii play which was like a bait and switch. <laughs> like here's like, yes. here's like what yes. we sports could have been in a, in a nightmare AU where it just all sucked. Um, it's like, here's like the worst possible version of a Wii tech demo <laughs> that you have to pay like 40 extra dollars for, but it comes with a Wiimote. So right. it was like, yeah, it was like, what if WarioWare wasn't fun? <laughs> <laughs> we play. 
we've captured the experience of waiting at the DMV in a video game coupled with a Wiimote. I'm looking at the list of games that were available for Wii Play. One of them was called Pose Me, where you just have to pose with a Wiimote. Pose Me, Find Me. They weren't even games. They were just like verbs. (laughs) It was like, erase me. (laughs) (laughs) Free me. Free me. And Tanks. Tanks was like the one good one. Yeah. And they have Duck Hunt in there, right? Duck Hunt was one of them, too. Yeah. it, It was like, it was fine, but it was like way too much money and it felt like a way to like tack on money for the Wiimote that right. was wildly out of stock yeah all that to say like I, has, I have such fond memories of like bringing my Wii around like in a backpack to people's houses in high school then even in college like having it with me in my dorm and then like also bringing it with me to other people's places like the Wii was such a it was such a su- success on a social level especially yeah. early on like yeah. I think that while the longevity of motion controls eventually lost their steam like Wii Sports was and I think still is one of the best uses of motion controls on that platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I so agree. I think it was exciting to see like the switch just low key has motion controls like waiting there at any moment. <laughs> uh, and rarely do we see them. And I think like rarely do I want them to be honest, but they are there and they are better than the Wii. You know, I think yeah. that like the era of trying to make motion controls, the next big thing proved that like, I don't think they could ever really be, at the very least, I don't think motion controls replace a controller. I think motion controls could work in the same way that like VR works. So that's the intended experience. If it's like built around that idea, it could be a fun way to experience games. But like not I mean, every game needs to have motion controls appended to it just because it's a fad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't need motion controls in 13 Sentinels. I guess rim, you know, like, well, wait well, a second. <laughs> wait a second. What if I could hold the the Joy-Con up to my chin and that's how I open the thought cloud? Like I'm thinking. <laughs> you have to think or you uh I swipe my forehead to start and summon my sentinel. <laughs> yeah, you could, I take you could it get back. your sentinel at any moment. <laughs> I take it back. That game would would vi- greatly benefit from this Wiimote <laughs> Joy-Con uh motion controls. Um but anyway, like Wii Sports came out, it was it, it came with the Wii. I, I love what systems come with the game and it was a great it was a really great game, truly. Yeah. It's uh, technically then, I think one of the best selling games of all time. Yeah. Because the Wii is one of the best selling consoles exactly. of all time. Uh Wii Sports sold eighty two million copies. That's wild. It's the, sorry, it's the fourth best selling game of all time. Is number one like. Minecraft? Yes. Minecraft, Grand Theft Auto Five, Tetris, and Wii Sports. Tetris is also like combining a bunch of releases of Tetris. Right. It's, it's, you know, who's kidding who does, Tetris doesn't really count. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then 13 Sentinels, I guess, is number five, which is yeah, cool it, to see. It is. Yeah. And it's, and it's not PUBG. <laughs> Wii Sports came with tennis, baseball, bowling, golf, and boxing. Uh, uh, and- I think it's safe to say the stinkers were boxing and golf. Although honestly, I loved boxing. I played boxing. The sing I played the single player boxing because I was an angsty teen that just like wanted to get in the ring and and get the trophy. You would get golden boxing gloves at the end of boxing. And yeah, I, I had to do. I it. I loved boxing. For me, for me, the the clunkers were were baseball and golf usually. Um, 
tennis tennis was like tennis was the best one tennis was a hit bowling yeah. was like a huge hit bowling was a um, phenomenon yeah. and, and boxing was really fun because boxing you also had to use the nunchuck if i recall correctly yeah or, you did yeah it, it was a little finicky with like how it registered and they added too many things like you could throw a right hook if you like duck it's like i don't want to do this yeah um baseball i liked just because my friends and i had so many me's that i loved seeing who was on the team like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's that's really it i mean i think like the the i think because baseball is such a unactive sport like most of we sports baseball is waiting right <laughs> which is not what you want to do unless you want to play we play just yeah. sink into hell what i will um, say about uh we sports golf in the original there is like a really large speed running community for Wii Sports Golf. There oh, are pe- really? There are people who like did figure out like, yes, this game is very finicky, but there is a way to like get good at it. And and there is like a weirdly high skill ceiling in Wii Golf that people <laughs> eventually found. Um, but, I, but I think for like casual non speed run people, it just very frequently, at least to me, felt a little bit too, too inaccurate to like actually play yeah. in a way that felt satisfying. I think also like golf, golf's relationship with video games is so like established at this point. It was surprising that that was one of the more finicky ones. Like, yeah. I think you would expect that to be like the, the safe bet. Um, and weirdly, tennis, where you play doubles with a clone of yourself, was like the one to start with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think because like, and you know, we'll get to we'll get to the new Switch sports, but like tennis in the original Wii Sports was. You just had to swing the remote. It almost didn't even matter which direction you did. You just had to like move it. Right. So like the precision, like you could do, like you could put like a spin on it and you can like smash it down, but like it didn't really require that much on your part. Like you just sort of had to like get into the rhythm of it. Which yeah. I think and golf required more than the Wii was capable of. Yes. And golf also required a virtual I, boy. Yeah. I think the big thing, <laughs> I think the big thing about it too, is just as you were alluding to earlier, it added a lot of mechanics on top of like the motion controls and the gestures, which essentially meant that it was harder to get into and harder to teach people how to play than all the other games, right? Like bowling works exactly like bowling works in real life. Tennis also for the most part works exactly like it does in real life where it's like you swing one way or the other way um forehand or backhand um but golf was like just a bunch of layers of ideas that you needed to kind of that you needed to get across for this game that has such a huge appeal because it's so easy to pick up and play golf is like the hardest version of that um not to say that it's like difficult by any stretch of the imagination but you know in an instance where like the the classic nintendo wii situation where somebody comes over who has never played a video game before and you hand them a Wiimote, like they might not know what to do with golf, but they will definitely know what to do with bowling. Yeah. And without and, needing to be taught anything. Exactly. So those are the hits. And then they later in like 2011, they made a Wii Sports Summer Resort, which was kind of packaged with the Wii Motion Plus, which like feels kind of like a lie in retrospect. Like I don't I don't know if I could accurately and honestly tell you what Wii Motion Plus did for my life and my relationship with the Wii. But there was like a late series of games that relied on Wii Motion Plus that was like a little more accurate. That was, I think I got a new like powder blue Wii Motion Plus remote specifically for Skyward Sword. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was a little better. That being said, I think Wii Motion, uh, Wii Motion, I, I think that uh, Summer Resort, it was Wii, just Sports, Wii Sports Resort, Wii Sports Resort, thank you. Um, that game rules. I think that game kind of proved that there was more to explore with this series, if you want to call it that, yeah. than just being a tech demo. 
it's actually a great uh, Polygon article by our friend Chris Plant about like the new Wii Sports or the new Switch Sports and sort of the history of Wii Sports and like why it's kind of baffling that Nintendo just sort of slept on this series for so long. Right. Um, and yeah. it is. I mean, like it's like Wii Sports Resort and then that was it until now, which is 10 years later. <laughs> uh, so here we are. But I, I, I think that what I will say right off the top on Switch Sports, it feels much more like a game they invested like a lot of time and attention to. I think that while I love the sort of low res charm of Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort, there is sort of like an unfinished feeling to both of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this game like looks and feels and plays like a much more, f- it feels like a final product and like in an evolution of the ideas of those games. Yeah, I think I, w- one of the things about nintendo switch sports that i find very interesting is that they have significantly scaled back on the number of sports that are available from wii sports resort um yeah and and i i don't see a lot of people like up in arms about that i think generally speaking people are just happy that this is back at all yeah which is very much where i'm coming from like i looking at the list of sports in wii sports resort just to just to read them off there are 12 sports uh swordplay wakeboarding frisbee archery basketball table tennis golf bowling power cruising canoeing cycling and air sports parachuting and piloting uh nintendo switch sports on the other hand is launching with six sports which is bowling tennis shambaro which is the sword play soccer volleyball and badminton and then it's getting golf in an update later that's that's a huge reduction in the amount of sports and a lot of them are just essentially like the original wii sports and then a couple new ones but that having been said it rules. I mean, it, it like immediately yeah. is great. And honestly, one of the biggest things about it for me that I, I, I find immediately captivating is this online aspect of it. Yes. Um, it feels a lot like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe in that way, where like when you when you load the game, the first thing it asks you is like, are you playing by yourself? Or are you playing online? And it really is trying to direct you to play online. Like it really wants you to play online. Yeah. Going so far as having all these like customization options and like different outfits and and um like different like tennis rackets and swords and stuff that you can unlock like all these different customization options uh including like names and titles for your for your character uh that you can unlock only by doing the online multiplayer as far as i can tell and i've i've tried i've been like looking around i don't think that you can unlock any of that stuff if you're not playing online so it kind of has almost like a like a splatoon side of it as well in that way where by playing online during certain time periods you are entering yourself into like this kind of grab bag kind of loot box situation where you can unlock specific items that are only available for a limited amount of time and it seems like they'll probably rotate those around as as time goes on uh so right now there's like the basic apparel set which is just like kind of like normal kind of like muted things that you would expect like now you can wear a beanie or now you can get earrings or now you can get a tennis racket that is like a different color than the usual yeah, one. yeah it looks like a, like your dad's tennis racket it's like yeah. a 70s wood which I, I i unlocked that and i love it yeah. yeah and then they have this this other one that you can also enter which is like really kind of like wild almost like um 1991 like almost lisa frank yeah uh, style energy i you, you brought up splatoon and i feel like in more ways than one i actually wonder if, if the splatoon team worked on this at all because, i was wondering like, that too i don't know the, i could probably look they've revamped like the player avatars to like 
I I love the uncanniness of the Miis, and I'm so glad you can play as the classic Miis, which is what I'm doing. It's so hilarious. Yeah, I, I shared my 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 name is Thanks Forever Stephen, um, <laughs> and Thanks Forever Stephen is my unflattering me on like a full size human body. Which- <laughs> And they're so expressive, like the the slow mo uh, recaps of like a tennis match, like seeing my thanks forever, Steven, like frowning and smashing an overhead <laughs> shot at the team is like thrilling. But the new avatars look great. Uh, they look really stylish and you can change like the, the one bummer with the uh, classic Miis is you can't really give them a lot of the different like you can give them the new rackets and like the new clothes, but a lot of the head accessories you can't use. Hmm. I really, I unlocked the earring and I'm like, please let me give thanks to ever Steven an earring. I, I want nothing <laughs> more than this. And I couldn't do it. Yeah. The fashion and the appearance of the characters and sort of the world in which like these sports exist feels like a Splatoon hub in some ways. Like it, it, there's like a fiction to the world where it's like, this is a cool place to hang out and, play sports although they keep mentioning in the loading screens that they're like there's great places to shop and eat and work and i'm like i don't want to work here like why do they keep pushing like (laughs) that i get a job and then they'll be like you've been playing for an hour you should take a break i'm like what is this like capitalist push from spaco square no (laughs) uh but it, it does it does feel like it has a little bit of splatoon energy which is fun yeah I'm looking into it right now. Um, it, it looks it, it's kind of up in the air just because of the way Nintendo is structured. But, yeah. but but it kind of looks like, yes, the Splatoon team did have maybe a hand in this a little bit. That makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I I'm really, really loving it. I My friend Eric came over and we played it like I, I really just wanted to play it for like, I don't know, a half hour just to check it out. And we ended up playing for like three hours straight. And again, I think the online it's so funny that the online play here is significantly better than Smash Brothers. It's like Mario Kart and Wii Sports, God, Switch Sports have better <laughs> online than Smash Brothers. But um, like in bowling, for example, if you play bowling online, it throws you into what they call survival bowling. Survival bowling, which I'm is obsessed with which this. is maybe better than Elden Ring. Like it might be my goatee <laughs> because. It's like you and like 20 other people all in the bowling alley at Spaco Square. Also, what I love is that like whenever you're playing the sport, there's like a light attendance. Like there's like a light crowd always. Yeah. It feels like kind of insulting. But um, <laughs> there's like over a dozen people bowling and you do three rounds and then the final score, they tally it up and they cut out, they cut out like half the team. Mm-hmm. So half the team just gets knocked out after that round. Um, and then it continues from there and all the while you can like share stickers of emotion. So you'll see like all these faces crying, crying as, because I got knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> um, the game also lulls you into a false sense of confidence because the first time you play online, any of the games, they give you kind of a tutorial and all the other players are bots. Yeah. So like they do like the Fortnite thing. Yeah. Eric and I played bowling and we, we crushed it. We were number one and two and we're like, that was really easy. But I have a feeling that wasn't real. Yeah. And then we played again and we got, and you know, of course, like, cause you know, when you're, when you're against bots, they all have like names with adjectives that kind of make sense. And then when you play against people, it's like pizza night, daddy. And like a weird like lobster face they made in the me creator. So like, uh, the, we got crushed the second round and then we were just determined, like, we just want to make it. If one of us makes it to the semifinals, we can rest in peace. Like, yeah. we can literally move on with our lives. I made it to the final three. I got third place. Nice. But I was able to make it to the final three. It is so, I mean, bowling with, I think, like, 
much like we figured out how to play golf just in video games, I think motion controls and bowling have like been completely unified <laughs> since 2006. Yeah. So with the sort of like slightly enhanced uh, Joy-Con, it's just so fun to play. It feels so good. I even have enough confidence that I can like try to make splits work where like if I, you know, throw the ball and, and a split in bowling is like when there's one pin, like you might get an eight, eight pins down, but the two remaining pins are like far apart. So there's mm-hmm. no clear way to knock them both down. So you essentially at that point have to play billiards where you have to like yeah. hit the other pin at an angle. So it will knock the other one down. Like the fact that I'm even thinking about that is not a thought I had while playing the original Wii Sports, Mm -hmm. you know? So bowling is so much fun. Um, Tennis is also just as good as it was, if not better. Um, Both of those games are a joy and, like, well worth the price of admission. Uh, If you have people over, like, that's going to be so much fun to play together. Yeah, I I feel like at this point, the Switch has enough of those games. Like, I feel feel like you and I, over the course of doing this show, we have pretty much hit on, like, all of the games that you should absolutely own on your (laughs) Switch, like, just in case people come over. Um, And this, this is, like, immediately kind of, like, the ultimate. Like, this, this because I I feel like, you know, as as I just mentioned, the first Wii Sports sold over 80 million copies. (laughs) It it was like a phenomenon. It was out. Yeah. It was outside of the realm of gaming, like a phenomenon. Like everyone played Wii Sports in some way, shape, or form, and everyone has nostalgia for it because it's been so long. Which going going back to that Chris Plant piece, uh, that was I think his review of Switch Sports. That that to me was kind of like the big alarm bell in my head. Was like everyone is nostalgic about this, but by like letting it hang out and wait in the wings for that long it returning is why this is probably going to be a big deal. And I I'm, I'm interested to see if it actually does become a big deal. I mean, I, I'm interested to see if this does really sell as well, or even close to as well as even Wii sports resort did, because like that game coming out pretty, pretty close to the release of Wii sports that still sold like, I think between 30 or 40 million copies by itself, still a hugely popular video game. I'll, I'll be very curious to see if switch sports hits that same high. Um, but I, th- I, I think you're right in highlighting tennis and bowling because like those are the returning champions and they sure are still champions um, yeah have you have you played all the new stuff have you played everything i played everything point? so so what's your tier reveal? list yeah yeah hit me hit me with your tier okay list. yes it's, it's so funny because my friend eric and i did this too when we were done i would yeah. say s tier is bowling and tennis for sure mm-hmm. uh no contest i am thinking if i want to put anything else in s tier before we move on to a i would say a tier is badminton and volleyball Batman feels pretty much just like tennis. Uh, mm. it, I think it's basically like, do you want one-on-one tennis? It's a little bit more intense. Yeah, that's essentially like it's 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 still really fun. Um, but I I just like the doubles aspect of tennis, and I like being able to play on a team with like I, we uh, Eric and I played on a team together against like increasing difficulty of the computer, and that was cool. a lot of fun. That's really cool. Yeah. So Batman's cool. Uh, I just I, I like tennis just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And volleyball, I think, takes the longest to explain, which I think puts it down a, a, a peg like it, it. The tutorial of volleyball is a little long, a little bit insulting. They constantly criticize you for how you play <laughs> volleyball. Uh, but too late. I think too I think they take. Yeah, exactly. I think they've taken a game that's probably one of the harder games to put into motion controls and they've made it work in a streamlined way like i love the setup of volleyball and they've kind of reduced it to like someone serves the other team bumps and then it's like who sets up a spike and like 
the sort of like rock, paper, scissors of that I think is fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's going to be the one I go to all the time, but I think it's a nice change up. It also requires the most teamwork. So I think like, right. That might be one that kind of lives or dies by if you have someone you're playing with. Cause I think that like you can communicate in a way that will make it more fun to play. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to invest more time into that one specifically. It it didn't it didn't stand out to me hugely. Like it's it's not the one that I'm immediately gonna go back to, but I do think the more time you invest, the more fun it might end up being long term. Because I because I think that that pro it, that's the thing about it, is it feels like a process. Like it's it's got this kind of procedure to it where where each of the steps is like very clearly laid out. And as long as you understand those steps and how you're supposed to act in those steps, you'll probably succeed. And then once you get into that rhythm of following those steps is when you can start to like move outside of the bounds of those things and like start to experiment in more, in more ways than one. Yeah. So I think that's like the one to watch of this collection. It, it might be like <laughs> the secret favorite. Yeah. Um, but I think like uh, tennis and bowling are, are like the hits Shambara. I'll put out a B. I think it's, it, it's really fun. And like the way Thanks to ever Steven walks towards his opponent with like a sword <laughs> pointing at them. Yeah. Is such an anime villain vibe that I'm obsessed. Uh, um, the, the sword fighting itself I think is fun and it can be really tense. And like, this is one that you got to play online because like the, the CPU, you can just like mash and knock them off pretty easily. Yeah. I've had some pretty intense matches where like, essentially you have to block in the opposite direction. They're striking. Um, but like you have like a millisecond to figure it out. It's, it's a very essentially like a very fast paced rocks, paper, scissors. Yeah. Um, it can be very fun, but I, I don't see it being one that I play a lot. It's, it seems like sort of like, uh, the, the, like a, a, a cherry on top or like strong spice of the group where it's like, that's going to be one you're going to play like maybe once or twice and it'll be really fun and funny, but I don't know if it's going to be a go-to for me. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things that I think works really well about Shambara is it's the only one where they ask you to recalibrate the, the yes. Joy-Con every single time you reset. Uh, so like anytime, anytime somebody gets knocked <laughs> off the podium, you have to reset your Joy-Con. Which means that it it does feel of all of them. I think the most accurate. It has the most one to one energy of all of them. Um, I think this is going to be one that I I personally will want to get very good at. I think that I I felt it like, <laughs> just when I started playing it. I was immediately like, oh my god! Like I've re- I think I will invest a shocking amount of time into Shambara just because I think it'd be very funny to be extremely good at it. You can also, you you can use like the regular sword and you can also use a charge sword and twin swords. So like (laughs) it's just, it's unhinged. I love it. Uh, So that's, that's a B. I think like it could go up, uh, you know, the more I play, but like first impressions, what am I most likely to play? I'll give it a B soccer. I'm going to give a generous C. Uh, (laughs) I think there's part of me that wants to give it it a D, but like, it's not that it's. So the thing about soccer is that I kind of wish they tried to emulate real soccer and not rocket league. Cause what they've made is like me rocket league. Yeah. What if you were rocket? What if you're playing rocket league, but you didn't have a car that could launch itself (laughs) into the sky. So what they've done is like, what have you done? Uh, what they've created here is the other big misstep is that it requires two joy cons. And it sounds like it's not a big deal, but like when you're playing this with friends and you each have a joy con that you've already connected to the switch after like 15 minutes of trying to do that. And then like you're going through the list of sports, like just, just the simple act of like having to get like another two joy cons to use. And like, you could strap this to your leg. I'm like, absolutely not. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and then it's Rocket League, so it's like a giant soccer ball. You're even like you know in, in a similar like orange goalpost, um, and you know you can kick the ball in a variety of different ways, and it it does work pretty well. Like that's that's why I'm not going to give it a D. Like the the motion registry of like the direction you're kicking it works, and then you can also <laughs> throw both your Joy Cons down and do like a head dive into the ball, which, which is, is the like, only thing I do. Yeah, which <laughs> I is just the sprint, biggest because you can yeah. sprint if you hold down ZL, and I just sprint and then do headers over and over and over again because yeah. it makes me laugh so much. It's it's really funny, um, but this is one that I may never play again because I'm like, this is just like bad Rocket League. Like, I yeah, don't really th- see the appeal. Th- this is kind of what I was alluding to when I was talking about golf having a little bit too much to just kind of like pick up and get into. Um, yeah, th- this one requires so much. So you're right. I mean, there's like the literal hardware requirement of it, which is that you need two Joy-Cons. Um, there's the additional potential hardware requirement of, do you have the leg strap from ring fit or did you buy it separately? Uh, cause I think if you buy a physical copy of this kind of like your beloved, we, we play, uh, you also get the leg strap, <laughs> My beloved. um, yeah. which I have tried and is not worth using. Um, just to be clear, uh, in, in case anyone was curious about that, I, I don't think it's really worth getting a leg strap just for the additional mode they add to soccer. But on top of that, like the ability to move your me freely around space where the left analog stick is like moving your actual character and the right analog stick is controlling your camera is like way too much for this game. Like for yeah. what for what this franchise is trying to do we sports the franchise or nintendo sports the franchise the ability to move your character freely around space and also control the camera is already too much um to then add on top of that like okay depending on which way you swipe your right joy con is how you're going to kick the ball like do you kick it up do you kick it down and low do you kick it to the left and right are you like doing a little twist on it so it's like kind of curving um the ability to then have like on on the zl button as i was mentioning you can sprint you can if you swipe both downwards you can do the head like that's way too much information i can't yeah. imagine a situation in which like i don't know like my parents come over and i'm like we should play wii sports there's a new wii sports and i think you'll like it and we go and play soccer like soccer is never going to be the one unfortunately it's like as if you're playing mario party and then one of the mini games is fire emblem and the sacred stones and you're like wait what like I th- i've just been pushing <laughs> a this whole time and now i have to like play an actual game yeah that's uh, kind of my issue with it what, what i what i think is the most disappointing about it I, overall generally speaking is just like soccer could have been great yeah, like totally. it, it could be a situation where kind of like tennis or volleyball, your me just is always running towards the ball, right? Like that, exactly. that feels like yeah. the move where like if you had done it with one Joy-Con, for example, I, I again, this is like a backseat design situation, but I just feel like there's a simplicity to all these other games that soccer is absolutely not getting. And yeah. if your character was constantly running towards the ball and the only thing you really had to think about was like, am I am I trying to kick this ball or am I trying to pass this ball to one of my teammates? Like that would be cool. That'd be sick. I would love that. I would love a team of of thanks for everything, Stevens. Yeah. Or thanks, thanks forever, Stevens. I mean, yeah, I think that's. I think soccer is one of the harder sports to capture within this style. But I think that's like where my mind went to. I was actually surprised they were just like going for Rocket League. 
Yeah. Um, cause that also is, is not soccer. Um, it feels but, like know. a half baked version of a full video game in a way, yeah, which is yeah. actually why I'm really interested in, in golf coming specifically because like we, we have the new Mario strikers coming this summer, yes. I believe, Yes, which I feel like it's just going to be this, but like actually good. <laughs> and I'm yeah. also curious about the, about the Nintendo switch sports version of golf as compared to the new Mario golf, which is available on switch. Yeah. Um, which, you know, was not a huge hit. People didn't like it very much. I liked it a lot. If you go back and listen to that episode, I was a big fan of it and I still am. I still play it every once in a while, Um, but I'll be interested to see which of these two I actually end up playing the most between between those two golfs. But I will probably I can tell you right now will play a lot more of the new Mario Strikers than I will of Nintendo Switch Sports Soccer. Yeah, it's the one clear miss. I think like, you know, you might have I'm actually curious, like based now that I've I've uh, now that I've given you my tier list, do you largely agree or would you change anything around? from that the big the big switch for me is that i would move tennis down to a tier and badminton up to s tier oh interesting here's so you here's, like badminton more here's the thing <laughs> i love badminton i in love real life bad in real life i love badminton Hell let yeah. me let me tell you a story when we Please. were in high school hold on I'm, I'm, I'm buckling up and also giving a doug funny flashback like <laughs> <laughs> uh when we were in high school I, I'm sure you remember this. We had to like select what gym classes we were going to have. And we had a bunch of different things that we could choose from. Yes, I do remember that. Okay. <laughs> I, have, I have my own funny story about that, that you just unearthed immediately. But anyway, so, so the thing was our, our years were split into quarters. So essentially for each of the quarters, you had to choose what version of gym you wanted to do. Uh, and they had like basketball. They had uh, there was like archery, I think was one of them. Oh, I, I took archery. Yeah, it was awesome. I forget. Great. Yeah, I forget what the options were. Uh, but, you know, there there were a bunch of options. One of those quarters was going to be health class. Yeah. Oh, man. But one of the options was also badminton. And I remember sophomore year of high school, I started with badminton and I was I started playing it and I was like, I can't believe this, but I love badminton <laughs> and I'm very good at it. Like, I'm very good at badminton. And me and the other people that I played with were like obsessed with badminton. We were obsessed with getting really good at badminton for some reason and we would like go after school sometimes to the gym to continue playing badminton because we loved it so much and our teacher i think recognizing this in us like like any good teacher would was like you guys actually have something here like you're actually getting very good at badminton in real life (laughs) maybe you should continue taking badminton so for the next two years sophomore year and junior year of high school all all three of the elective gym classes that I took were badminton. So for wow. two years of my life, I was like really committed to badminton. And then at a certain point, I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I getting so good at badminton? There's actually like, I enjoy it a lot, but there's really no end goal here. And eventually I'm going to have to stop. Like at a certain point, we're all going to go to college and like, who am I going to play badminton <laughs> when I'm in college? I just, I don't, I don't know what this is all for. Flash forward literally two years. And they add badminton to the Olympic sports lineup. Oh and, my I, God. and I think to myself, I've made, could a, have been? I made, I've made a grave life decision. I could have gone through the door that would have taken me towards badminton stardom, professional badminton playing. <laughs> and I didn't do it. So all of that having been said, the addition of badminton to Nintendo Switch Sports was my <laughs> most anticipated thing, maybe of the whole year. The, the return of badminton into my life was hugely exciting to me 
And I, I think you hit it right on the head when you said that it's bad, that it's tennis, but it's one-on-one and more intense. That is exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. The, the big addition that badminton adds, I think, over tennis that makes it great for me specifically, is the ability to do drop shots, which is as you're jumping into the air and going to hit, uh, going to hit the, the, the birdie, you can press the trigger which instead like you can hit it as hard as you want but if you're holding the trigger down what you do is you essentially like knock it just a little bit so it just drops right in front of the net oh, on the, on wow. the other team's side like um, a spike yeah yes exactly it's it's kind of like a like a really like boring spike in a way <laughs> um <laughs> that's kind yeah, of how it works but yeah. the thing is like you you can play mind games with the opponent because you can like literally jump into the air which i find myself doing a lot when i play badminton versus any of the other sports in nintendo switch sports where i leap into the air and then i do a drop shot and the people like are really expecting me to like go all out and then i just kind of knock it very lightly over the net um <laughs> that little addition that little twist is what is going to add so much to the skill ceiling of this for me um but i do find it to just be tennis but more intense uh and and that is that is very exciting i i love badminton in this game this is probably going to be outside of bowling my most played thing i think i i love hearing this side of you i'm so happy you had that experience can i can i i'm sweaty share? actually from talking about <laughs> badminton like in real life i am starting to sweat <laughs> Just to compliment your flashback, can I give you my uh, high school gym class flashback? <laughs> yeah, sure, that's, go for that's it. That's in some ways the opposite experience. So <laughs> I took hell I actually, all four quarters. You're not far off. I, <laughs> in my youth, my, my parents were very encouraging for me to sort of try everything and see where I landed, which I think was a great strategy. So, like, yeah, I was in Boy Scouts, I played every sport, I did theater. Obviously, that's the thing that I liked the most, but like, you know, I, I played every sport. I played soccer for a long time and I actually also took tennis lessons. So I there was hmm. a college near us, uh, Ramapo, um, for those who know Jersey well. And like in the summer, the college students would just like teach tennis classes to like teenagers. Um, and it was like really low stakes, just like basically hanging out outside. And I loved that. So what I learned from my years playing soccer in middle school and my years playing tennis in the summer in high school and also just my love for like jogging is that I just liked being outside. That's basically what I took from my <laughs> yeah. trying different sports. I'm like, I like outside. I also liked tennis because it was like it, it was it was very uh, Zen to me, at least like in a non-competitive format, just like playing with like people outside that like, you know, yeah. were fellow yeah. students and teachers. So flashback to high school gym class armed with this knowledge. I see my choices and my choices are street hockey and basketball or tennis slash walking. One of the sports was just walking. <laughs> it was my dream come true. I'm like, these are the two things I like, tennis and walking. <laughs> so I signed, up, I signed up for tennis and walking. And then the day came where they like revealed who was in what. And I was put in basketball and street hockey. And oh I was my like, God. I, I went to the teacher and I was like, hey, like, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for tennis and walking. And they were like, you were literally the only guy who signed up for it. So we thought you'd be more comfortable in this other uh, oh, no. sport and i was like i don't care i just want to walk like i don't i don't care if I there are other dudes there yeah i just want to be outside so they put me in tennis and walking and i immediately fell the first day of walking i like oh, tripped no. and fell and like scarred my face it was so, everyone was so they were very nice all, all the girls in walking were very friendly and they were worried about me but i immediately failed at walking it was it was a dream crushed 
Uh, so here we are. I, I hope that was uh, enjoyable to listen to. Thank you. <laughs> it's really brutal. Yeah, it's very funny. It's one of my most embarrassing moments. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you for yeah. sharing it. I mean, hey, you gotta let you let out your badminton dreams. I let up my walking dreams. Yeah. Uh, luckily, <laughs> there's no walking in Nintendo Switch Sports unless you're playing soccer <laughs> or Death Stranding. <laughs> but yeah, that, that I I haven't thought about tennis slash slash walking. It, it, it ended up being very fun once I got over the fall, but it was like the first day, and that memory came flooding back after the badminton story so. i don't know why but you saying death stranding just made me like go down this path of like it'd be very funny if they added like mail delivery to, to nintendo <laughs> switch sports postal service and yeah. it was and it was death stranding but now that i'm down this thought path i'm wondering like do we think that they'll add a bunch more stuff to switch sports like i wonder if this will also be a situation because now now we're in this era of nintendo where they have this plus expansion pack version of nintendo online where you're yeah. getting a bunch of free stuff they've added the Splatoon Octo expansion for Splatoon 2 um, as part of that recently, which I've never played. You talked about it a long time ago. It's uh, really good. And yeah, you, like, you convinced really me cool. to check it out. But at, you know, at a certain point, it's like oh, t- so much time has gone by. I don't think I'll ever check it out. But yeah, at this point, like we're hot on the heels of Splatoon 3 dropping. And now this is getting added. I feel like I should go back and check it out. But now I'm wondering, like, are they going to add more sports to Nintendo Switch Sports? And will they be like DLC or will they be like a a plus expansion pack situation where like hey we're adding all the sports from Wii Sports Resort to this like now you can go parasailing again thank god um, <laughs> I'm really or you curious. can do uh, 100 pin bowling that was like that was a bit of a stretch it's like I know you got a hit on your hands but have you played challenge bowling in switch sports yeah no I haven't there's I don't a, know what that is there's a mode that they've added that's called challenge so if you play if you play one player bowling you can do this version of bowling it's called challenge bowling which is a proc gen version of bowling where the lane will always have some kind of like obstacle or weird twist to it so sometimes it'll just be like the the lane literally curves upward so you need to like throw it way harder than you ever would or sometimes there will be like a big bump right in the middle so like you really need to get it you know perfectly straight if you want to hit the center pin um or things like uh, the gutter will like shift in size or something. It's like really trippy. It's really weird. Um, they'll have like they they have like pinball bumpers sometimes, or, like pinball paddles that will uh, prevent your shots from going where you want them to. It's really cool. I highly recommend checking it out. It's it's very interesting. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out because I I love bowling. It's S tier. That's kind of the thing about Nintendo Switch Sports is I feel like there's kind of like a lot of depth under the surface. Like there, you're getting yeah. the thing that you want, and then there's like way more on top of that. And I I think you know a, a big part of that for me is the ability to play online, the ability to play with friends, things like that, the ability to like unlock new weird customization options and like stupid titles for my character. But on top of that, they have all these weird things like challenge bowling that exist or like when you're playing bowling online it's survival bowling like i really i really love all of these things that they've added um that are beyond just what i expected um, yeah for a game I, that seems pretty simple on the surface it's actually got a lot of depth to it totally i mean just the, like i didn't expect online bowling to be a survival game you know like yeah. i think like and i think like on a surface level it's like, okay this this addition of like in-game loot boxes where you're getting cosmetics and there's a survival mode like it feels like they could have been like kind of in a shallow way following trends, but it all works really well. And I think again, like this is the Splatoon team. They understand like the, the joy of customization in your avatar, like Mm -hmm. kind of gamifying to sort of like 
you know, I, I think Splatoon is like a a hopeful version of like an online shooter where the cosmetics are just things you get that you don't have to spend real money on. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, and this is the same way. I mean, you know, I, I like the idea that there's like seasonal collections of attire, even though I'm just going to be my old me forever. I like that it's there. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think just this idea that like I you have to know as the creator of this game or whatever, like it's not going to be for everyone. Like not everyone is going to get that invested in Nintendo switch sports, but the addition of that kind of stuff and that kind of reward loop will bring more people in and keep them attached to the game for longer than I think it generally would. Um, so I really appreciate that. Like for the people who are really just going to play Nintendo switch sports, like nonstop all the time, they're going to get like a, a whole bunch of rewards just for doing that. And for investing that time. Outside of just like getting better at challenge bowling. Yeah. And I also think like Wii Sports on the Wii was such a foundation of my teenage years that I'm just glad like a new generation can have that on a very simple level. Yeah, totally. Um, It's awesome. Nintendo Switch Sports is available now for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, You can go check it out. I highly recommend doing that. Maybe don't get the leg strap, but uh, do play the game. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to take a break and then come back and I guess we'll wrap up? Yeah, sounds good to me. Cool. All right. All right. We'll see see you after the break. Yeah. 
Okay, I think I'm all set. So what's the stack for today? Um, I think it's going to be the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, which I'm very interested to talk about because I think it's going to be very difficult. Um, okay. You haven't played it, right? You've never played? Stanley no, I, I think you might have brought it up once before, but I don't. I haven't played it uh, myself. Uh, okay, I'll try to not spoil it for your sake and also for the listener's sake. Um, and then Rogue Legacy 2, you have, but you haven't started yet? Yeah, I, I bought it a couple of days ago, but I haven't had time to play it. Okay, cool. Um, so maybe, maybe we'll do like a little bit about that. Um, and uh, not words we both been playing, so we yeah have to talk about that. Nintendo Switch Sports we both been playing. I have, I have not words sports, and I also have been playing Elden Ring again in kind of a weird way, which might be fun to talk about. So what, what's weird about it? Well, Can I you give me a tease. <laughs> sure. So I've been playing co-op, but my friend came over and we like he brought his PS5 to my apartment. And we played co-op like in the same room physically. Oh, wow. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So I'll, I'll go more into detail in the episode, but that I think that may be fun to talk about. We also played Wii Sports. God, Switch Sports. So that might be fun to, yeah. uh, to do together. Look, I, I um, think I think if we're in the middle of doing the episode and you say Wii Sports instead of Switch Sports, people will still understand. I'll, I'll give AJ a heads up. Yeah, okay. um, that, that makes sense. That I slip up a lot. But uh, honestly, it might go long, but that's kind of how we normally do. So I think it'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about length. All right, well. Let's get started. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, I'm already recording. How about you? Uh, I let me just check. Yeti, hi. Okay, yes, we are good to go. All right, do a little stretch, do a little deep breath. <laughs> Whoa.
Hello and welcome to Into the Aether Ultra Deluxe. It's an ultra low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. Ultra hello. My name is Stephen Hilger. <laughs> and, uh, ultra hello every us. time? Yes. Forever. I hope you enjoy this episode. I think it's a fun... TWG. The worst garbage. The online... I did want to ask, what's your high score? Oh, uh, oh man. Hold on. I left my Vita downstairs. <laughs> uh, I think it's like 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 1280 or something like that. I, I don't. Oh, wow. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> we were so close. Once I get the giggles, I'm like fucked. No, I know. I've been like biting I'm my crying. tongue this whole time. <laughs>